Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the newest episode, season three of the Theater Enthusiast podcast. As always, I have my hot priest mug with me. It says Neil on the back. I don't think I showed our guest that, but he did see the hot priest candle that is lit. Anyway, I'm very excited about our next guest. Next, that's proper English, right? I say, like, he's, I don't know if I, I'm sure I said this to you. You're probably one of the nicest humans I've ever met. And it's kind of not fair. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll take it. Although Sondheim says nice is different than good. So I just, hopefully I'm also good. Well, I mean, I also like don't know you that well yet. Um, well, my name's David and I have authority issues and uh, I'm working <laughs> on them through therapy. <laughs> I mean, oh, no. Well, anyway, David A. Gregory's here. <laughs> Can you hear I, that? Is it loud enough? I, I, I could hear it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great, I turned it off. David A. Gregory, how are you, how are you doing? I'm good. It's it's weird because we've already been our own audience warm up, but now here we are. And we I feel very warmed up and I feel ready to, I'm very ex- happy to be on your show. I'm very excited. I'm so excited to have you. Because like the past few days, you're like, I can't wait. I'm like, I hope that's just because he loves and adores me so much. Truly. And also I think theater podcasts are really important. I. Yeah. They have gotten me through this pandemic, listening to interviews of people I admire, and uh, some of them are archived through different companies. And I just, I really, it, we need to perpetuate artistic joy. And if if I can be a part of doing that for somebody else, then job well done. Yeah, well, it's just going to be a podcast about you, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But also, I mean, I already showed David this, but for the two people who've actually listened to my podcast fully, literally, like nobody listens, I'm going to change that please tell the kids at home tell your friends from the foreign countries who slide into your dms Ah! (laughs) i'm sorry should i not mention that um anyway no i mean it your your theater mug is of angels in america love that because i mean can we say that you're supposed to do it or yeah no it's uh, i last i checked i think it's still on the theater's website i don't know what's going to happen with it but um, Ugh, do I have to travel to see you in it then? Well, here's the do other thing. I have to be like a good friend and do that. <laughs> At some point, I mean, it depends on how long they delay it. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to age out of some of these things. I think you're fine. I mean, Lee Pace is in his 40s and he plays. That's true. That. That's true. And yeah, he did an excellent job. Um, yeah. And like Russell Tovey, I mean, he did it in London. Right. I think he's not 40 yet or just 40 he's he looks much younger than that so good on him but for those of you unsure as to which role we're talking about this is joe pitt in angels in america yes also portrayed by patrick wilson and his tushy in the miniseries and that's where oh good in that you know that he was actually doing oklahoma at the same time oh wow so while they were shooting it yeah, and I only know this because of Andrea Martin getting interviewed about it somewhere and saying like, you know, Patrick Wilson, he was doing this and then he never complained. It was his first movie gig, first, like first TV gig and he gets like an Emmy nomination. And a Golden Globe and- <laughs> Excuse me, yeah. And now he's like directing one of the Conjuring movies and, oh, he's, wow. gonna, and he's like an Aquaman and he's in the second Aquaman. I have hardly watched any superhero movies <laughs> unlike you. You, I was literally thinking about this today. I was like, what do I watch? I watch The Office. Mm-hmm. I watch Friends when it's on and Family Fleabag. Guy. Fleabag? Oh, fl- well, I haven't watched it in a while. Like, I don't sit and binge watch it. Well, you you sound like you're 
similar to me. And like at the end of the day, I, I need to watch comfort food. I can't watch Handmaid's mm-hmm. Tale because it stresses me out. And so, and I also recognize that's a privilege, but. What's your uh, comfort food show? My comfort food is, oh God, you're going to out me. Here we go. Frasier. Okay. okay. I, oh, no, I think like, I saw you post about that before. Just like a fuddy-duddy old man inside. And um, I, I really like, oh God, this is really, it's not embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. I'm going to own this. Um, I really like the Andy Griffith show. I really, really like it. <laughs> Listen, I, from what I gather, from the little I know about you and like working with you, you like old school, like yes. movies and stuff. So like yeah. the Andy Griffith show, like doesn't, doesn't. It is. It's also, um, you can see, uh, I could talk a lot about this. You can trace back like the, the sitcom storytelling roots, like with I Love Lucy and, mm-hmm. and Andy Griffith. Oh, they, they yeah. go back. how do you feel about Nicole Kidman playing Lucy? Um, remains to be seen only because I know, I don't believe she was the first choice and it was originally supposed to be Kate Blanchett. Right. Who I believe they did a makeup test for and she looked incredible. Like I think they even did some minor prosthetic stuff. I think the project sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in favor anytime something like this gets done because this is kind of like what I want to do is kind of bring some old, old Hollywood back. So um, we'll talk about your play. Yes. I, I just, I'm just curious. I, I, I know there's going to be an interesting take here. Mm-hmm. So well, it's I'm... not, you know, the premise of it, right? What they're doing. Uh, vaguely. So it's more of a behind the scene mm-hmm. as opposed to like. Yeah. She doesn't have to be like the funny Lucy yeah. necessarily. She just has to. Yeah. And, you know, we have in Lucille Ball, we have this, this great like mega producer and hit maker. And so, I mean, yeah. she's responsible for the success of the original Star Trek. And so like, yeah, woman is a badass and that's. I want to see more of that. And it sounds and you like have Emily it. Skinner play her in the share show. Right. Right. That's right. <laughs> Who is also just like an awesome person anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So David, let's start. Where are you from? Uh, born and raised in Fairbanks, Alaska. And then. Did you see Russia from your house? I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to. It was. There. You know, when I, I graduated college in 2008 and that was of course the year that John McCain picked Sarah Palin as mm. his running mate. And so every audition room I went into when I moved here was like, I got that question. And then was weirdly held responsible for her. They're like, what What did you do? And I was like, first of all, nothing. Second of all, this is not my fault. And it was just a, I don't know. That why you didn't get cast in anything as soon as you got (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) They got asked every audition room for a long time. Did they ask you that at One Life to Live and that's why they cast you as such a horrible person? They did not. But that I think by then it would have worn off and Obama had been elected. So thank God. Uh, Yeah. Definitely not a Sarah Palin person. I think a lot of people in the theater industry are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or at least like they're here for like Tina Fey's birth. I think she's actually sure. on Cameo. Oh, I believe that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're on Cameo uh, too, right? I am. I, I Put your request a, now, kids. Get a shout out I got a, a thing that, that asked me that said people are asking about, and that I didn't know that you could do that. So mm-hmm. uh, the truth is, I have no shame about this, um, at the time financially, I signed on t- in order to be able to buy m- more family members Christmas presents that year. And it worked. And, yeah. I just got people things for $25 <laughs> for Christmas because I'm like, I am unemployed. Um, 
And also, cause like I have a niece and my older sister and her husband were like, we don't need gifts. Just like get maps and stuff. I get that. Yeah. I'm they're like, here are coloring books. Yeah. Here are coloring books. Here's Batman. I. Yeah. Well, she's not into Batman. That you know of. Well, my, they're more of like a Star Wars family, my sister. Oh. Yeah. Is she, is she into Ray then? No, oh, she's well, only oh. two. Oh, oh, I'm like, I'm like planning this for you. Okay. I'll, oh, I'll yeah. back up. Well, yeah. like, I mean, for me, I just, I'm like, I just want to take her to her first Broadway <laughs> show. Right. Your sister's like, I'm going to. And I was like, I'll come with you. And take your two-year-old niece to see uh, Angels in America or. Uh... I'll take her to see A Perfect Crime, which reopened. <laughs> That's right. Hey, we should celebrate that theater is. It's not that show. I'm sorry. I don't mean to bash it. At all, but like I, I've never seen it, and I I don't, to my knowledge, know anyone that has been in it. Although, don't okay, don't. I get like physically angry. Okay, about that show, like don't see it. Okay, this is on the record, so no, I am fully aware, and I know that's horrible to say about a show and these people who are working very hard to keep it up. But like, no. And, and to anyone who is going back into it post pandemic, good for you for having a job, right? But also, you, you, you're. I, I guess I need to see it or don't see it. But I, I, I have nothing to say because I can't speak on it for that. <laughs> Again, when we're out for drinks one day, okay. for like lunch, okay, we'll get margaritas. Okay. It'll be great. We'll get super drunk. Right. I will tell you <laughs> all of that. I like how I'm planning this, and let's see if it actually happens. We will. Well, I mean, I also haven't been back in New York and. Well, well, I can look this up later. Restaurant capacity, are we good in New York? I just, whatever. We'll figure it out. Reservations can be made. You can just sit outside. We can like, I have so much wine. Stocked up or just in general? Well, I'm not a big drinker. Okay. And I, for many years, I had these like holiday parties in my apartment and like 10 years ago, I had like a mental breakdown while frosting a cake. And I'm like, I can't supply all the desserts anymore. Like people need to bring stuff. So I tell people to bring food or a drink to share. And people tend to bring wine because they don't feel like baking or making or like bringing dessert. And you know, remember how I told you about like that Oreo pudding thing? Yes. yes, yes. So that's the party where I've been threatened if I don't make it. Oh, yeah, it's okay. Okay. I don't, yeah. Yeah, that's odd, though. Where people threaten me if I don't make this like yummy yeah. dessert. Yeah, I mean, I can understand it in like a joking form, but it's. Like, oh no, no, no! Like they are joking. Like, but also, is it, it makes it sound like it's your ticket, it's your admission. Like you can't come here unless you have. No, that it's dessert. mostly like you're not allowed to wear jeans either to my party. Oh. Yeah, it's super fancy. Don't it's. Oh. It does. I haven't done oh. it in a while because you know the pandemic and I moved into a smaller apartment. <sighs> the pandemic i love how this conversation has nothing to do with theater <laughs> we can we can change I told that. you we could totally sidetrack on this it's just it. a conversation of us getting to know each other and being better friends in life um so yeah anyway i have a lot of wine because of that and i always right. feel like oh if i want a glass of wine and i open up a huge bottle of wine then the wine is just gonna sit there because i'm not gonna go back and drink the wine i get that I, yeah, I understand. I mean, I have purchased like tiny, tinier bottles of wine that I've drank in an evening and either felt like, hey, I'm feeling good. Or I'm like, I don't feel anything. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> in there too. <laughs> Something I've discovered in the Midwest while I've been out mm -hmm. here is uh, at Kroger, you can buy bottles of whiskey or, or any kind I'm of- not, I am a New Yorker, so I'm assuming that's a grocery store. It's a grocery store and it's, it's a big chain. And, mm -hmm. uh, but when you buy it at this chain, it's always diluted. And I think that must be a rule at this grocery store. So instead of buying a 45% alcohol whiskey, you're buying a 21% alcohol whiskey. Oh, that's kind of like the wines that they sell at the grocery stores. Yes, yes. And, and so I'm pouring myself what is arguably a, you know, for eight finger glass of whiskey, but it's really just like two. Yeah. I mean, I'd maybe three. It's like a, it's like a nice pour, but it's See, even you saying the finger thing means nothing to me because I don't like alcohol. I'm like, what's, <laughs> what's like a good drink to have at a bar guys. Oh, what? Like I want to go to Ireland and Scotland, but I don't drink beer. So what am I going to do at a bar in Ireland? Whiskey. Not drinking us. Yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. That is a, yeah. Mm. I do want to do like the Guinness tour though. It sounds fun. Yeah. And also I've heard it tastes incredibly different over actually wait a minute. I'm sure it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I have no, I had something else. Anyway, I was in London for like 72 hours and it was a whirlwind and I don't know, I don't remember a lot because I was so tired. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you were so drunk. No, 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 not at all. I was I was there for uh, I got myself into this. I was there, it sounds it sounds more impressive than it is. I was just there for for a job for a business. And, There's nothing wrong with that. Well, no, no, nothing wrong. But we were there. It's promoting. a theater podcast. We're talking about right. your life. <laughs> like, what were you promoting? I feel like I. Well, it was this movie that I that we had just shot this for for Passion Flicks, and and so we were there because there was a big romance novel convention Got that it. we were asked to go to, and so th that's all fine and well and good. But I just was so jet lagged that I don't remember. I wish I had taken more time for myself on the. Trip. I was there for four and a half days. Yeah, and it just it still wasn't enough time. But I got to like yeah. I wanted. I will say though, like, this is like, I love the history of the Tudors. Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. the big thing for me was like seeing where Anne Boleyn was beheaded. Yeah. Um, I know. Super morbid. That is, no, that's cool. I like yeah. that. I and I that. wanted to see the globe. Mm -hmm. And so we actually saw the globe. We took a tour, oh. which was awesome. I was like, I kind of don't want to see a show there because I don't want to stand. Also like, right. I feel like there are certain Shakespeare shows that are done so much. And it's just like, I kind of need a breather. Like I can't see another production of Romeo and Juliet. Sure, sure. I don't want to see another production of Hamlet, especially the last production of Hamlet I saw, which was three hours and I was suffering through a sinus infection, uh, which I didn't realize was a sinus infection until like the day after. Yeah. And also it wasn't a good production. Oh, I was just about to ask you who Hamlet was. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, I mostly went because of who was playing Hamlet. I'm not saying like it wasn't, it just, I didn't like the production. Can you devil or you'd prefer? It was not Peter Sarsgaard. Oh, he's great. No, he's. So I, yeah. I love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fantastic. But I just like the production itself, I didn't really. And it's not to say that like other people didn't like it because there's a lot of things out like, you know, my affection for the musical once. Like yeah. I love once. I also love Great Comet, but it doesn't mean that, you know, the next person's going to like it. You know, there's plenty of shows out there that people like that I'm not crazy about. Yeah, and as we've seen, like shows in New York live and die by the New York Times, and so that's also it, it's both fortunate and fortunate. Like it can lift something up that maybe wouldn't get a chance normally, but it can also tear something down that is like actually mm -hmm. unfair. So yeah, um, I, I say that to say I think theater criticism is important, but there's a very fine line between criticism and something else, and it 
it is, it should be an art form. Well, I think it's also now that I'm like getting older and with this job I had before the, the panty, the pandemic, um, when I was like talking to people about shows and I also like, I was very, very good at picking out shows for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just like how I told you, I'm like, I'm very good at reading people. Like I was very good at it. I had like a sixth sense for it. And, you know, people are like, oh, I didn't get good reviews. So I'm like, well, you know, that's the reviews. Like, I'm telling you, you're going to like the show, right. regardless of what the reviews are. And at the end of the day, sometimes the reviews don't matter. It's what people, yes. people yes. like, you know? Yep. That's commercial theater. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. I, you know, we have friends that are in these shows that uh, I want my friends to be employed. I want them to have a job. And when everybody's worried about opening the newspaper the next day or, Let's be honest, nobody really does anymore. Looking online, uh, I mean, I've seen things myself that I'm just like, I completely disagree with the review about this. Or I, yeah, either in the affirmative or the- I will say I'm not, I'm not naming the show. Okay. On the podcast. Okay. I will tell you after, if okay. you remember to do that. I saw a show and I was like, this is not good. But you okay. think it like there was one point I'm like, oh, it's packet of okay, Oh no, it's not good. Uh-huh. And like I'm sitting there and like the actors you can tell are just working their asses off. And I just felt so bad mm. because they're working their asses off and like the show just isn't that good. It, it mm-hmm. I, I, I know right. what you mean. I kind of want to ask questions about it, but I, I also what do you want to ask me? I'm not going well, to. Well, I want to ask, like, is, is, is it an actor's vehicle? Like, are they, you know, the actors, are they given a lot? Or I see. They're, they're, it, it was a musical. They were compensating for the material, you felt? No, I just think there was, like, a lot of, like, dancing. I just, it was. <laughs> Critics it, was right. it wasn't, like, you know, it, it was a jukebox musical. I see. So it was a lot of fun, though. Sure. I can't tell you more because then I'll give it away. Oh, I, I understand. I, and, uh, you know. Not Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia yeah. is super fun. And we <laughs> already know how I was like, everybody loves it. <laughs> it is. Um, I yeah. did clean my wedding singer shirt. So like, if and when Amy comes on, I'll wear it. Oh, she, yeah, you really should. And do, uh-huh. you, have a, do you have a mug? Oh my God. Do you have like a, a wedding singer mug or a, or a red mug or a no. Black of Ages? Nope. I did get like super sick after I saw Rock of Ages though. I don't know if it was like food poisoning or alcohol poisoning or like a mixture of both, but there was, you know, their jello shots were had, tube shots, like at fish tacos, but like, it just wasn't a combination. And like this girl who I used to be friends with, like she took me as a birthday gift. I wore a Madonna shirt though. Okay. That's, I was like very into it, but (laughs) I got like super sick the next day, not because of the show. I don't know what it was, but I'm like, Ooh. yeah. Do you have, do you have, um, th- does it make you, when you think of Rock of Ages, does it make you think, oh God, I'm not Rock of Ages because that's what you associate with being sick. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. So you know how you guys the other day were talking about the Scottsboro boys? Yeah. Okay. Oh. I didn't see it. Oh, okay. Okay. But the time around the Tonys, mm-hmm. I ended up getting a really bad dental infection. Oh, so no. much so that my entire face oh. blew up like a chipmunk. Oh, no. And I would wake up in the middle of the night in so much pain, icing my face. Yeah. 
And that one song they performed on the Tony Awards, Come and Sing in Chattanooga, sure. was stuck on repeat in my head. So oh, I see. Yeah. anybody ever yeah. mentions the Scottsboro Boys, <laughs> I'm always brought back to that time of I when understand. my entire face was blown up like a chipmunk. I understand. And, yeah. And to the, and I did merch at Arcadia at that time. And I was like working the closing performance. So I was like trying to cover my face with my hair and a hat and I couldn't even eat soup. And it was like dribbling down. Oh, no. Say like the head usher or like ticket taker and the, um, of that theater and, um, this headset person, her name is Beth, who is just wonderful. They still talk about it. If it's like brought up, they're like, oh, I remember. And it was just dribbling down your oh, mouth, the soup. It's not your fault. Yeah. No, that stuff stays with you. I um. I know. Every time somebody mentions the Scottsboro Boys, I'm yeah. always remembered of that time in my life. My now wife, at the time we were dating, uh, we took a class at HB Studios with uh, Austin Pendleton, was the teacher, who mm. I idolized and was excited to be in his class. And so, you know, he's like, okay, you guys are going to break off and, and pick a scene partner and uh, pick a scene. Just let me know what it is before you decide. I think he directed that Hamlet I saw. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Then I know what you're... Okay. So he goes uh, to me and my wife and he says, uh, what are you guys going to do? And I was like, well, I'm thinking Venus and Fur. And he's like, great, good choice. And um, we come in the next week with our scene ready to go and we do the scene. And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what to say about this because when I saw this on opening night, I think, I don't want to misquote him, but he's like, I ended up having a severe panic attack and I'm sitting on the front row, so I can't really leave. So I'm just like in my chair, like having this terrible time. So he's like, whenever I see a scene from the show, that's what I think of. And he's like, basically he's like, I don't really know what to tell you how to fix the scene. And I was like, I felt so bad. I was like, well, hey, we wouldn't have done it, but he, he did sing. He was like, you know, go ahead. Um, and then we worked on it for a week. And then, so but he said he could no longer see the show for what it was because, and it is a good show, but he did not have a good experience, much like yourself. Uh, and, and Hamlet? Uh, well, I was going to say specifically now that every time you hear that song from Scottsboro Boys, you're going to have Well, I just like, you know, I had a thing with a guy who was in South Pacific, but that hasn't stopped me from enjoying uh, I see, I see. <laughs> he did the tour. Um, doesn't remember me, which is like super oh, no. great for my ego. It's, oh no, it was like years ago. It's fine. Sounds like a podcast guest. I'm just kidding. I'm just oh, okay. Oh boy, <laughs> just gonna keep digging my hole here and uh... <laughs> it's fine. I started it for you. So like now that we like, super sidetracked, I told you it happens. It happens. <clears throat> Where did your love of theater come from? Um, I especially think... in Alaska. Yeah, first of all, there's great theater up there, and okay. and there was a lot of opportunity for me mm -hmm. to, to get involved up there. And like, I danced in <laughs> ballet growing up, and I got into that sort of backwards because I thought. Are you saying you're a triple threat that you can also dance? There was a time where mm -hmm. I think that's what I was. Uh, certainly not anymore, but uh, dancer or singer, you mean? Um, I'd I'd put dancer first, and then actor, and then singer after that, and that wasn't for lack of trying. I have a music degree because of the program I went with singer heavy but um, my mom took me to this what I remember being a, a production of Mother Courage and her children and I was really young but I remember being like oh I didn't know that this could happen like mm -hmm. it was so real to me it was so good mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't ever remember a time where I didn't want to do this I just I, I, doing it for a living didn't compute 
because yeah. I was in Alaska and I was so far away from everything else, but mm -hmm. there was so much opportunity to be had. And um, I've actually made it like a point during this pandemic, I'm a little behind on it at the moment, but to, to write those people who gave me those chances because they changed my life and mm -hmm. probably wouldn't have gotten those chances if I was in like a bigger city. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't mean I was terrible, but I, no, I understand. also like, maybe I had a lot a, to learn. I have a, a friend of mine from college who like years ago, she moved to Austin mm. and she goes, she wants to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond mm. as opposed mm -hmm. to like, I get that, you know, sure. But now she lives in Baltimore with yeah. her husband and they own a magic bar. Oh yeah. I thought you said a magic bar and I was like, no, they, they do. He's a magician. Oh, I thought you said a matcha bar. Oh, Wait. that too. No, I'm just so, joking. You know, here's a drink. Also, here's a dough, a dough, a dove. Hold on. Wow. 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 That's yeah. great. Okay. Yeah. And she's like, she does her own stuff with magic and it's really cool. That is cool. She hasn't given me like any secrets of how they do things, but <laughs> years ago, she like using her mind folded a fork in front of me and I was like, what? Oh, wow. How do you do it? She didn't tell me. Oh, wow. Jeff, her on the podcast. Maybe. Maybe. I could text her about it. Whoever you are, whatever your name is, come on the show. I'm just, I don't know. Come on the podcast. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so do you, what were you like, what was your, what's English? Um, <laughs> what was like the first role that you got cast in? Um, <laughs> uh, okay, the short, as soon as I say the short version of the story, that's I, gonna be your new expression, the short version. Twenty hours later, here I we went are. to this. I, I wanted to be an actor so bad, and I went to these auditions for this show called The House at Pooh Corner, which is just what, from what I understand, another adaptation adaptation of an A.A. A. Milne story, but it has all of the, the mm -hmm. characters in it, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I believe, was thinking, oh, I can audition to be Piglet because I'm seven years old, I'm very small, and mm -hmm. I had a slight stutter, which is not really here nor there, but um, sitting in the you know, auditioning in a theater and sitting in the chairs with my older brother, who's 11 and my dad, mm -hmm. who was like my champion about this. And he's like, you know, you get up there and you, you know, make that, use the stutter, like you know, this whole thing. And so I sit down, it did not go very well. And they asked my older brother, do you want to audition? And of course he lands the role of Christopher Robin and I don't get cast at all. So um, I learned very quickly that if- I know if that gonna, feeling. Yeah, if you're going to, it, weirdly enough, it didn't make me not want to do it anymore. It just made me want to do it somewhere else. So I kept auditioning until somebody gave me a part. And the next time I auditioned was for A Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and uh, wanted to be one of the four kids. Didn't get it, but they were like, you can be the dwarf. And so I did my like Harvey Firestein voice and I got the part. And oh my God, can you do it now? I yeah, I, I, I talk like this, like eight years old and was like, um, had a whip and everything. And so and still to this day, got some cool better views. Sorry, that's a, little, like, a cool whip. A cool whip. <laughs> oh, um, that's Donald Duck. Sorry. I do Sorry, think baby. I do think that I did some severe vocal damage as an eight-year-old because I've had difficulty with my voice ever since, and it, that can only be what I think it might have been. But um, uh, I was so bitten by this bug so thoroughly that uh, I just I loved it. Did you do it throughout high school as well? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Did, like the musicals and the plays or? Yeah, yeah. I didn't do so many plays in high school. It was mostly musicals. Again, some roles I should never have been cast in because- I Oh couldn't... my God, please tell me. 
uh, I did, I did it a grease. I think most people do, but I was not only duty, but I was also the teen angel and um, Interesting. should not have been both. I think they were thinking, well, the connection to Frenchie is the same, but like, it's very like abstract for like a high school production. Yeah. I, I mean, meaning like could somebody else could have done one of those roles. I also yeah. couldn't sing duty to save my life. It was when <laughs> the joke I had with my dad was like, while I'm singing those magic changes, those magic changes are happening to my body. Like I was going through puberty in the middle. It was bad. Anyway. Um, but like, you should actually like put that on social media. <laughs> <laughs> my mom is going through home videos right now. And she recently sent me the clip and it is, I thought, Oh, this would be cute you know flashback friday or whatever and then i was like actually it's it's horrendous my one of my other best friends she she and her husband are moving and being the jewish mother that i am i was like you need to like start cleaning out your apartment like little by little also her mother told her this um (laughs) and so the other day she actually like messaged me like three videos from like my 19th birthday dinner (laughs) and i was like wow I clearly have not changed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it'll oh, probably have, end up on Instagram like have, at some point. I look forward to it. I have a lot of sympathy for that because there's times where I'm like, oh no, I'm like fully here for it. It's like, oh, good. Okay, good. Because I feel what like, is there to be embarrassed by? That's the thing is like, I, I mean, I began college very, this very awkward and gawky person. And so, like, there, that's not gone. Mm-hmm but people think it is because the facade changed or because, yeah. you know, and I did that on purpose to get different parts, but at the same time, we're, we're going to get into that. You worry. can't take that out of that person. Like that's, yeah. I will always be that. So I always say it's funny too. Cause like years ago, God, probably 10 years ago, I was in my old apartment and this girl who was like one of my best friends in high school, like she just like came into the city and we hung out. I haven't mm-hmm. spoken to her since. And she's like, you really haven't changed much since high school. I was like, I know. I just got more like bitter and cynical, but more awesome. I love that. Actually, yeah. bitter, bitter and cynical isn't bad, especially if it's like, well, I like, see things for what they are. I don't know. I think that's a yeah. power. I think it's also like an optimistic realist thing. Yeah, I get that. For sure. sure. Yeah. You know? I totally get that. Um, so let's talk about your college experience. Ooh. Where did you go? How many colleges do you audition for? What made you decide to go there? You look like you don't want to talk about it. No, no, I do. I just, I, I understand looking back on it, how I want to say how accidental it all was, but I know it was super privileged also. Like, I made you feel really good. Okay, ready? Okay. I didn't tell my parents I didn't, like, I wanted to be an actor until like I was accepted into the college I went to. Mm-hmm. And so then I ended up like auditioning and then I got into the program. So I get it. Okay. Um, I didn't get into the program I auditioned for, but I still got into the theater. This, yeah, you know, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I went to Interlochen for a summer program in, um, right after, right before my senior year of high school. Uh, mm-hmm. so that was the first time I'd really left Alaska to go somewhere else and sort of see if I, you know, how this works in an area that's not my home. Mm-hmm. And so we were kids from all over the country at this program and it it went really well for me at the time and that was talking to one of my teachers there that was the moment where I was like maybe I can do this for a living I'd not really thought of it in those terms Mm -hmm. and I think the full disclosure of this is that I was in this like long-term relationship in high school that I thought oh 
at least where I'm from, it's like, you just, you get married right out of high school and you have children and you, that's just what you do. And so I distinctly remember in like February of my senior year, waking up and going, I can't do that. I have to go see Mm -hmm. if that's what this is. And um, that meant like, oh shit, we got to audition for schools. We got to, you know, there's not a lot of options at that point. So um, one of my friends that I met at Interlochen in Michigan, told me about this school in Ohio, Baldwin Wallace, now university, and they're a great musical theater program. And so I got in by the skin of my teeth. Uh, my friend's mom talked to Vicki Bussard, who is the, the program head and was like, I know you're full for this audition period, but you should see this kid. And again, I recognize in hindsight, just what a fluke that is and how absolutely impossible that would be in some, some of today's situations. And um, it was the only school I auditioned to, uh, auditioned for, not because I was like, oh, this is all I want, but because the realization of needing to do this was so last minute. Because I thought I was going to do the news, the local news in Alaska and have children and be married. Like, I just was like, this is just what you do. And mm-hmm. I remember really thinking, I'm going to regret this. And it was still to this day, probably the best decision I made for myself, but it was the most difficult because I was such a homebody. I thought, I like it up here. I, this is all I want. And tearing myself away from that was like a very weird experience. Um, and yeah, uh, so I, I got in and mm-hmm. um, looking back at it, I'm like, so many things should not have happened that did. And I recognize how people were looking out for me that I was not aware of how rare and rich that is until after the fact. So it's part of my quest to make sure that people know how grateful I am for those things. Mm-hmm. Because you never know. It's very true. Do you remember what you auditioned with? Yes. Um, I sang Stars from Les Miserables. I, again, I also had a very deep voice and was like playing older than myself. I didn't know what it was like to play my age until mm-hmm. really after college. Uh, I think Stars from Les Miserables and I think something from Big River and then did a monologue from Big River, which is a musical about Huckleberry Finn and was told you don't I do know what Big River is. Thank well, you. Well, I, I say that to, for people because anybody that's listening that doesn't know I did a monologue from a musical and I guess that's that was taboo and so I remember when I was a freshman somebody did a monologue from Chicago the musical Mm. in a class Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I don't remember what monologue I auditioned for but I do remember the songs so Mm -hmm. there's that I think I I had to do she let me do three of them because she was like well you've come this far and at the time I think I had there was another girl in the program from England but uh I did my third, which was uh, Make Him Laugh from Singing in the Rain, which I had just done. And Did you also do like a huge tap number as well with it? I didn't, but I had, uh, I don't know, some razzmatazz. So I'm sure if we ever do like a cabaret, you can just... <laughs> you know, it's weird. It's like, because when I, I don't mean to jump ahead, but when I got on the soap, like little things when I, when I was an actor coming out of musical theater world, people would be like, oh, I can tell you're a dancer. And so I actively worked on changing my body the way I moved and certain things like, so I I made a hard right and like ran from that for a little while just to see if I could, to see if I could fool people into, and then I've gone so far that people are like, you used to dance and so- Oh my God, can you teach me a time step? (laughs) I absolutely can. Okay, I'm going to promise you, you will not be able to teach me one because I've had like, I used to work at a dance studio. I've had nine lives with jobs. I had like five-year-olds trying to teach me how to do a time step and my body like physically cannot learn how to do one. So like, 
it'll be well, fun to teach me. So this is the way I, I, um, I was taught by this. This sounds stupid, but for liability reasons, they have to do this on television shows. I was taught by this stuntman how to get on a motorcycle and make it look like I rode, right? And so he approached me and said, so what are you? Are you a martial artist? Are you a dancer? What's your background physically? Are you a sports guy? And I was like, oh, I'm a dancer. And so he taught me mm-hmm. how to do that based on my background as a dancer rather than, okay. so he spoke to me using my language and I really appreciate that. And so ever since then, as when I'm asked to teach, I usually go to the, per- the person individually. It's harder. Well, no, we talked about that because it yeah. told you like stalking people on like the internet to see yeah. whether or not yes. they're for a role. And then yes. you said, I had this student and I yeah. found out he liked jazz from his Instagram. And it, and so then I approached him using mm-hmm. that and then his tapes yeah. were That's incredible. why I said to that one actor next fall who was mad about his name and I said, use that for the show. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, billing. Oh, billing. Um, that was actually my fault. I totally spelled that person <laughs> but whoops a doozle. Do you remember your first Broadway show? Yes, it was... Um, uh, 2001, March of 2001, I saw Reba McIntyre in Annie Get Your Gun. And she was phenomenal. I'm going to make you jealous. I saw Brenda Peters. Oh, but see, okay, they're both good. But like, I also was young in my youth. Well, my first Broadway show, I was five. Oh, okay. And right. so, and I'm also from Long Island. So, sure. like, I would always, I actually have a list of every single show I've seen. So, I've seen in my lifetime over 100. And I don't keep a list of off-Broadway, but it's, you know, it's not that much compared, but um, yeah, no, I just remember my dad got tickets and he, like Berna Peters wasn't going to be in the show. I don't remember if it was like Susan Lucci who was there for a period. There for a while, yeah. Yeah. Or like somebody, but my dad's like, we're not going to go see her. So he like waited for Berna Peters to be back in the show because I think she was like taking a break (laughs) or something. And then we saw Berna Peters and, and... I also make a lot of people jealous over the fact that I saw Julie Andrews on Broadway and Victor Victoria. Oh, oh my God. She's just so spectacular. She walked by me once at the Glass Menagerie. Which Glass Menagerie? The, oh my God, version? John Tiffany version. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the one with Cherry Jones. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. And it was, you remember that scene in Wayne's world where he sees Cassandra for the first time? <laughs> yeah. I was like, Dream, that's what it was like that's, for me when I saw her walk yeah. by me. And like, Did there you, were actual um, people trying to get my attention. And I was like, what? I mean, there are people that have a present. For me, it's also her speaking voice is so mm-hmm. luscious and, and yeah. She's oh, then you must have totally enjoyed her as Lazy Whistleton and <laughs> that's her face. And Richard I went on this. I went on this kick recently because her and her daughter mm-hmm. released a book. Am I making this up? They have like a couple of books out. Children's and books. there was a new one that had come out and they were sort of doing a, what is essentially the podcast circuit. And they were, mm-hmm. and I could just listen to her talk all the time. And she's also so gracious. And mm-hmm. um, hearing her talk about therapy before it was like mm-hmm. in vogue, I guess she was like, oh no, I've been seeing a therapist for like 40 years. And I was just like, this woman, that's why. She's like, oh, people don't think I get angry. I get angry, but I just yeah. deal with it the way you're supposed to. I've said for a while, I need to see a therapist. And I've had some people be like, you don't need a therapist. You can talk to me. I was like, no, I can. You're kind of the reason I need to go. (laughs) Just my soapbox. This is, there's so much power in in talking to someone who has no stakes in the outcome. Yeah. And who's able to, yeah. 100%. I agree. I mean, now that I have a job, I don't feel as much as I need it. Um, I get that. 
But yeah, like I think going to therapy is great because, you know, you just need to talk to somebody and, you know, there are certain things you can't talk to certain people in your life about. I always thought even before I was married, you know, oh, this person can hold this for me and hold space for me or whatever. And it's not fair to ask her to be that for me all the time because she's going through her own shit. And I, that's just what I thought. And I was, I had no idea. And I'm not saying I'm an expert at this or anything, but, um, I have been singing the praises of my therapist for a very long time. And it's, it has, I had a session yesterday and I was like, I don't really know what to talk about. Cause I think everything we've been working on lately, like this has been a good week. Like I'm having a good week and I don't have these issues because I'm learning to see them for what they are. And yeah. it also makes you a more, especially for people in this industry, I think it makes us, you have to know, you have to know what makes you tick in order to, I mean, you can't play an emotion you've never felt. So it's yeah. important to take stock, I think. Mm -hmm. That is my soapbox. Does it also like get you out of your head more of like your balls flying in the air? <laughs> Got to keep the balls in the air. Well, this is, okay. So this comes from mm -hmm. me saying, uh, you know, in a reading, I'm trying to not speed through it, but I'm trying to keep the balls in the air is, is, get it? <laughs> it's we talked about it <laughs> i know but i feel the need to for since it was brought up for the mm -hmm. for your audience to explain like especially as a writer now like nothing kills a two-hander quicker than people dropping the pace and so you know as soon as those two people come out on stage they're at war with the audience's boredom and i want to make sure that we we're going to get slow later. So let's earn those moments by cooking through yeah. this first. Yeah. Anyway. I think it's also, if I felt like it was going to get slow, I would have told you, which I, think I know. I tell you. And you're very good at that. And, and, and you just like praise me more day than this. Laura has also structured the play that it, it oh my God. cooks. So lovely by the way. Yeah. So great. We can, oh my God. The praises. Um, this is Laura Eason, the author. Eason. Did I just say it right? I never say it correctly. So it's fine. No, it's not fine. But the author of Sex with Strangers. And yeah, also yeah. like a boss in the television world, which in film. She's so modest. Yeah. And she's so great. Yeah. And, and very talented too. Very I saw talented. Him in the Scottish play with um, Yes, yes, Corey with um, Corey Stoll and his wife. Yeah. yeah. Um he's like, sorry, he's so sexy. Corey, Corey Stoll. Stoll. I completely oh agree. Oh my god. I completely agree. I saw him um in the park do Iago in Othello. I did not, but I saw him in Julius Caesar, you know, uh -huh. like the production uh -huh. where people were like, yes. yes, I have to tell you, I was also very tired. Again, I'm always tired. Um, but like when the protests happened, I was yes. just like, oh, why is this happening right now in the show? But they were planted there. Right. The protesters. Yes, yes, he yes, was, yes. He's so good. Who was, was he Brutus in that production or was he Mark Anthony? He was Brutus. Mark Anthony was played by Elizabeth Marvel. Oh, she cool. was fucking incredible. Oh, cool. That whole production was really good. Although I will say my favorite production I've ever seen in the park, which ironically were the best seats I ever had. They were like dead center, like mm -hmm. fifth row was, oh, now I can't remember it. Shit. You're talking about Elizabeth Marvel. No, it was, it had Rallis Barza. It had, I want Coriolanus. Was it? Could be, could be. Alice Barza. Simon of Athens. Hamish Lingletter, Kate Burton. Wow, that cast too. Wow. Yeah, and like Rallis Barza had like a like a bluesy Vegas type of number. Wow. I mean, he's, yeah, he's fantastic. yeah, I've seen some good and not so great stuff in the park, but. Corey Stoll is um, 
I mean, he's the sexiest bald man working in the industry. Without... I know, he should have gotten the sexiest bald man. Sorry, Prince William. <laughs> really. It's to appease the ego. Sorry, Jason Statham. <laughs> and with all due respect to my other favorite bald man, um, Patrick Stewart, who I... Oh, and Stanley Tucci. And Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci's like... He's a different kind of sexy. Different kind. But I, I turned on his, his CNN show um, mm -hmm. and just hearing him talk about food, I was just like, wait, why am I? It's like weirdly ASMR-y and you're just kind of like <laughs> staring you know, at- that's what we should do. We should do an ASMR version of Sex with Strangers. I, I mean, it's kind of already there. I mean- Yeah. Although you could do weird sounds like drinking and I don't know. There's, yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a dark. Well, dark I know. Problem. Well, you do love a prop. So I'm sure love you can. Yeah. Love I'm fully prop. aware you love a prop. And I guess it's in rehearsal. I enjoy props. I weirdly love props and costumes. Yeah. Business. Yeah. Stage I love business. it. I mean, provided it's motivated and it's the right thing to do. And, you know, mm -hmm. an actor making a meal out of it for no reason is really annoying. But when it's time, it's so great. It's so great. Yeah. So what happens after college? Um, I, I moved to New York right away and, uh, you know, had my you survival guys, job. Did you guys do some sort of showcase? To get we did. I'm sorry. We did. And I, I got an agent through that. And um, my first, I'd say, couple weeks out, uh, I was in Final Callbacks. It was me and another gentleman for a replacement in Chicago, the musical. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I and remember thinking this was to replace a, a featured ensemble. I don't remember what track it was, but mm -hmm. um, what ended up getting me in trouble. And this is sort of, you know, we get the jobs we're supposed to get. And I just, I would go in with my stuff and then they'd say, I'd get down to the wire. And then they'd be like, do you have anything you can sing that's higher? And I, you know, I don't, and that's not me. And the uh, same thing happened in Mamma Mia and it ended up happening with the Pippin revival. Oh my God, did you audition a Sky? Um, I think it was going to be a Sky understudy. It was to replace somebody again in the ensemble. And uh... Let me talk to you about, <laughs> okay. Because like you like to stay in shape. Try. It's difficult. But... Okay. There's an, okay, I'm not going to name a name, but there was a particular actor who played Sky. And during that Lael, your love on me moment where they would like strip off his shirt, there was one of three reactions that would happen. <laughs> Wooing, uh -huh. laughter, uh -huh. or both. Oh. And us in the merch company, in our little merch office, we nicknamed him Cheese Abs because like our joke was, oh, he's so ripped, you can like grate cheese on it. Okay, I was going to say, this is a positive thing. It's not that they were laughing. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a hilarious positive sure. thing. So much so that like Broadway.com was like, let's do like a whole workout segment of him in the gym and we'll interview him in the gym. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, but that's also par for the course. Like that's... Mm -hmm part of doing that role and so it's necessary i mean i've seen other skies but it, nothing looked like that that's wow yeah. blessed blessed yeah it was it was very enjoyable to hear the reactions <laughs> of the audience every night and then just hear the bass shake the merch room in the winter garden theater oh yeah the winner Ooh. takes it all for like the last note yeah oh yeah yeah Fun times. Fun times. I love these merch stories. So, I see everything. The what? The merch story? When you're working merch or you're working, like I have a friend who's an usher, like they see everything, right? And, you know, 
that's why I told you guys, like, be nice to the little people. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, first of all, just be nice in general. Yes. So when an actor's like told to be nice to people, first of all, fuck that because no offense, because no offense taken. Well, good. I just feel like when, you know, if you have to be told to be nice, oh, the house manager, because you're like the actor, and it's like, actually, no, we're all here to do a job and we're all doing our, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have very little patience for people that aren't nice. Like I cannot stand if someone's rude at a restaurant. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know, if you- And even like, if I catch myself being like rude or an a-hole, I'm like, oh crap, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to sure. be like, yeah. you know, it's not, I mean, I know I'm an asshole, but like, I'm not a mean one. I had a guy when I was working, sorry, I'm going off topic, but I, when I when I was working in this restaurant, this guy came- You literally have been doing that this entire time. This guy came up to me after his meal. He's like, hey, I was an asshole when I came in here. My wife told me, you know, I was out of line and I, I need to apologize. I was just hungry. And I was like, I get it, dude. Like, <laughs> we're a busy restaurant and you came in starving and we didn't get you your food fast. I'd be like, you should just tip me better. <laughs> tip me better, yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, I got off topic. Um, we tend to, I told you it happens. Uh, there was a time coming mm-hmm. into New York where I was like, okay, these are the, this is where my niche is. This is what I'm gonna do. And, and uh, uh, that was not to be. And, um, you know, at the time, I also was like, oh, I, I've been working on my voice as much as I can, but also some of the roles I did in college in straight plays required a lot more from my speaking voice. So I was usually vocally fatigued a lot. And long story short is I never really felt super comfortable as a singer. I um, always felt like I had to compensate in some way. And so... Um, do you still yeah. feel that way? Yeah, I do. I, it's mostly because like, I've been chasing what gives me joy and I've never had to think harder mm-hmm. than when I'm singing. Mm-hmm. Um, dancing always came very naturally to me, but the only thing that got in my way there was my flexibility. I, I just was, I have a very tight lower back and tight hamstrings. And so- um, You have to stretch. Yes, but what I, what I realized, what I started to realize during this transition period was um, that the only thing holding me back as an actor was here. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I could do something about. Whereas mm-hmm. I couldn't do something about not being flexible and I couldn't do something about not having a high A flat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I realized that I started to focus in on that and that's when things started to lead to the jobs that I ended up getting that kind of decide, you know, mm-hmm. this is what you're gonna do. So what was kind of like, I don't want to say like your big break, but like what was after your realization of that, what was the first role you booked? It sort of happened simultaneously that. So I was called back for this off-Broadway play called Back, 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 playing a um, major league baseball player who was going. Oh, is that the, one of the things you sent me? Inamar Moses. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, I think it's such a good play and it's so well-written. And um, I remember the day I was supposed to go to the callback, I got a, phone call from my commercial agent saying I booked this commercial and I had to fly out to Toronto that day and remember calling my agent going I want to do the play and they're like there's no play you have to go to the callback and you have to get the job so you right now have to take the job you just got which is the commercial and just great okay but so the commercial was this um (laughs) it's still on YouTube it's this uh this romance novel hero who rides around on a horse handing out you posted on Instagram Sebastian yeah um so he I feel like you're very like when it comes to talking about like you playing those parts where you have to be like 
topless. Mm-hmm. You're very like. I, I get weird about it only because people weirdly get very possessive about you when you're vulnerable in front of them. Mm-hmm. And vulnerability can be, oh, we saw a piece of your humanity or it can be, we saw your body. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's why I'm very careful and sort of picky about what I will go into various stages of undress for now mm-hmm. because I'm also like going to be 36 and it's a lot more to keep up with than it was when I was 26. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it, it is work. Like I had a friend going, oh, it must be so hard. And I was like, it is, it's fucking work. Yeah. And, and my whole fear was what if I don't look like that? Are you going to, cause I didn't look like that in college. Mm-hmm. And then when I changed, people started treating me differently and giving me more opportunities. And as, as lovely as that was, when I got cast on the soap, I didn't know how to be that guy. I didn't know how to be anybody's idealistic version of whatever, because mm-hmm. I'm weird. <laughs> I'm quirkier than that. And so. We're theater folk. Yeah. 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 It was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely learned how to own it and, and to lean into it, but mm-hmm. um I think that there's a part of me that is looking forward to when that's not going to be the reason why I get a job mm-hmm. so that the parts will be more interesting. For instance, I loved doing Vanya and Sonia and Masha and Spike. Mm-hmm. And it is a great part. And Billy knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. He did it on Broadway. But if you were to ask him, I'm sure, and anybody else that's played the part, would you want to play these kinds of roles for the next 10 years? The answer is probably going to be like, oh, maybe not. Yeah. You know, the variety is the spice of life. So. I don't mind playing dumb, <laughs> but I don't want to only play dumb. I, wow, I really went on a tangent with that, but that's what that is, essentially. That's, it was a question and I asked it, so. I just didn't feel like, like when I got that commercial, I was like, I, I saw the other guys that they were seeing and I was like, when I got hired, I was like, I don't feel like I'm enough mm-hmm. for you. I mean, I still got the job and you know, you have to kind of set, settle the score with yourself on, mm-hmm if I'm in the room, it's because I deserve to be in the room, but it takes a while and it doesn't just come. You know, it's kind of weird because like with the job I have now, I, one of my last days in the office, because I was trained in the office for two weeks and then I'm now working from home, which I prefer so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I was sitting across from somebody who's getting trained as like a care navigator and she was just like on top of her shit. Hmm. And I was like, I feel like when they hired us, they were just like, all right, here's the job, you're on it. And I kind of felt like that a little bit with my job too. So I understand it. So you kind yeah. of have to like fake it until you kind of get it. You do. And I, yeah. I know that's an actor's prerogative <laughs> in the first place. Sorry, I cough. That doesn't mean that we're ready for you. <laughs> it's like, how many inside Joes can I do? Like, this is good. This is good. Um, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I know I'm bouncing around a lot, but I, I just. Um, David. Again, I told you it happens in this podcast. It's I just, fine. I feel the need to be clear. Like, it's not that I was resistant to these things or that I didn't want to do these things. I just, I didn't know how to handle them. And there was a lot of attention that I didn't understand or feel like I deserved. And mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah. So, you, I mean, that also can come with like the persona of being like a guy who looks like that. You know what I mean? Uh, a friend of mine. So, I had two actors that played my brothers on the soap and mm-hmm. I've gotten very close with their uh, partners and we, we've all stayed in touch. And w- one of my friends, his wife was like, well, you guys have douchebag faces. And that's 
what it is. And so like, you know, I'm a big fan of like the, the epics, like The Robe with Richard Burton and Victor Mature would always be like, oh, I have a biblical face. Like he'd make fun of it. He's like, I know what, I know how to do the thing that mm -hmm. makes people go, oh my God, it's just, it's yeah. so biblical. <laughs> and so yeah. we have douchebag faces and I understand that, but I also like of the group of the three of us, I was the one that was like, well, clearly these men are more good looking than me. And so what am I doing here at this imposter syndrome? And yeah. um, I, I think just age has taken care of that. Now I, I feel like I've earned the respect, but of the douchebag face <laughs> well just of, of getting that work because like yeah you know like the play sex with strangers or or mm -hmm. or or vanya and sonia you you may have to look like a douchebag but you still got to be a decent actor and so yeah it, it's such a privilege to, to do those projects that you want to make sure you're also good enough to and yeah. also next fall yeah very much very much so mm -hmm. very much so yeah you're welcome for that one. Thank you for that one. That's been on my bucket list for a long time. Yeah. And, and this is also another conversation, but I've, you know, in as much as I have taken a step back to go, do I deserve these things, you know, as a person, mm -hmm. um, there are also times where I also feel the need to step back because, well, I'm not a gay actor and I am taking on this role and mm -hmm. these things. I actually asked the, the uh, artistic director down in New Orleans before, I went to go do Joe. I was like, if you need to cast an, an actor who's out, I totally understand. I and that was part of the conversation. Really... <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. In my it. head, I was like, let me like, and then I, like, it just, we're not getting into it. Sure. And, but it, it, it is discussed and it is something. And yeah, so absolutely. I feel like it is incumbent upon me as a straight guy to be like, Hey, I just want to make sure that, you know, mm -hmm. we have this conversation you know, maybe you've made your decision and discussed it, but like, I, I see it's not the first time I've auditioned for Jill Pitt. And so there's been times where I'm like sitting in the waiting room going, I really want this job, mm -hmm. but I also, I understand if I don't get this job, if, if that's part of the, and I know casting can't ask that question, but in this era of social media, it's very easy to find that out. And um, I will say this, I, the writing for the characters who are gay that I've played is in general, it's got more meat on its bones. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I'm not, this is no disrespect to these other straight roles, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I think that kind of sums it up. <laughs> Da, 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 da. <laughs> I was like, how do we transition? <laughs> so let's talk about what, you know, the two people who are actually going to listen to this podcast want to know. <laughs> talk about One Life to Live, which I fully admitted to you. I did not watch. I watched all my children. Sure. sure. You made your choice. That's fine. Um, um, yeah. And then I literally was like, if I miss an entire week or a month of the show, literally just cut. You're good. <laughs> Here's the funny thing though. So the character Greenlee was in a cave with another actor. They were stuck in there. And then when they get out of the cave, like the next episode, it's a brand new actress playing, playing oh, yeah. Greenlee. And I said to him, and it was the original person who played Greenlee. And I said to myself, how bad for that actor who had to do all of this acting in a cave? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Can't even like continue with the role. There's, um, I mean, I, I First and foremost on that, I know I got lucky because I got to originate something. I didn't have to replace anybody. And I, 
I would have if that was the case, but um, mm. I got asked to come in. It's for like a few episodes, right? For a few episodes. And, and again, not something I thought I was going to get. I mean, I really wanted to get it, obviously, but um, I remember the reason why I felt confident going in is because I had just gone in for this movie and had been told in the room that I was going to get the job. And so that armed with that confidence, I was like, oh, okay. And, and, you know, of course you go into a room that you're like, I'm good. Cause even if this doesn't work out, I got this other job. Well, <laughs> it worked out, but first and foremost, getting that job, knowing mm. that that would change the life that I had at the time, like I'd be able to buy more groceries and pay my rent on time and all these things that uh, were difficult. Mm -hmm. um, it just, I, I've never been more grateful in my entire life. So you, you, I knew it was going to be a couple episodes over the summer and then I didn't hear from them for a month. And then they asked me to sign a contract and come back for uh, what at the time was a year. And then I signed for another year after that. So um, that's where I learned how to be talk about uh, like having a screen persona and that's having a personality that translates to the screen and being able to say lines, you know, when someone's like, Oh, they're not acting. They're just being themselves. That's actually a skill. Yeah. And, um, that's what I used that time to do. And I learned how to do it. And, uh, well, a lot of like big name actors started mm -hmm. on, so, I mean, like Josh was, oh my, Josh Dumel was on mm -hmm. all my children, my children. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I remember idolizing him and thinking, you know, naively at the time I was like, well, whatever happened to him is going to happen to me. <laughs> um, just in the terms of like, you do a soap and then you get another job. That's just what happens. And, um, certainly when he was on, and prior soaps had that kind of springboard effect. And I think I was on the tail end, like the show got canceled while I was on it. And, and I, I think there, it depends on which room you're in and who you're talking to, but sometimes people can be like, well, he's a soap actor, which mm -hmm. I understand. I've been in acting classes where, you know, they're like, we're gonna break you of that because you're doing the thing again. And I was like, I, but I also like, at a certain point it becomes part of your DNA. And so you're like, this is just me. I'm just acting, I'm not trying to put on a thing. Yeah. Um, I remember shooting this independent film and after the first take, the director comes out and goes, I love your voice. You have a very strong speaking voice. And it was maybe the worst thing he could have said. Cause then of course the next take, I'm like, Hey, how's it going? And just like, it took, a, it took a lot of my twenties for me to break myself of these awareness. You know, I went from not knowing how to do any of it to mm -hmm. having an over awareness of it. Yeah. Uh, and then now I feel like I'm starting to figure out that I'm enough. And it's taken me so long. <laughs> That's why therapy is so great. Yes. I'm literally it. sitting here. I'm like, thank God this guy is in therapy. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> horrible. Uh, I'm so sorry. No. And, and listen, when I, it was uh, summer of 2019, I remember making it known to my wife and I, at, we were not married, but at that point we'd been together for 11 years. And I said, uh, I think, you know, I really want to get married. And I, she was like, I will say yes under the condition that you start going to therapy. And it was the best ultimate, because I don't know if I would have really done it at mm -hmm. the time. She was like, you know, with everything that's happening with your dad and, uh, you know, this is a tough bit. And she's just like, I want to make sure that you're okay. And yeah. I was like, yeah, it lit a fire under my ass. And then mm -hmm. I think it's very important. So I will always encourage people to do that. I agree. Brought so what? What? Brought to you by betterhelp.com. I'm just kidding. I just. The more you know. 
So after One Life to Live is canceled, mm-hmm. what then? Um, the first thing I did was I enrolled in a playwriting course at HB Studios mm-hmm. because I had this idea that ends, ended up becoming the play that I'm working on now to... Uh, We're going to talk about that, by the way, because sure. you worked with the dad from Dawson's Creek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, I have a lot to say about John. He's fantastic. Mostly uh, um, because he was the dad on Dawson's Creek. And he was my dad on the soap. That's how we met. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I just know him as the dad from Dawson's Creek. Dad, he's, he plays dad great. He's a great dad. Sorry, um, fell over. <laughs> so I, I had this idea in enrolling in the class. I was like, I want to become a, a writer. I want to become a better writer so that I can uh, have a place at the table when maybe I lose my hair or something happens, you know, where people are like, well, yeah. we don't want him to take off his shirt anymore. So um, what I didn't know was- that Or the, you don't want to take off your shirt anymore. Yeah, actually that's- and You that's can part have that choice. Right. Because I read your IMDb and I don't know if you wrote that yourself, but something was like probably tired of taking off his clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I wanted to, and now I look back on it, I'm realizing it was more to prove to myself that I had more to offer, but I've always wanted to be a writer and this course certainly helped, but I didn't realize that we were going to be writing 10 minute plays every week rather than working on a larger scale project. So um, I started writing this other play about Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart in my spare time around that. But um, and it's also the reason why I know you like classical. Films. Oh, yes. Just it's like in my bloodstream. I feel like the screenwriter that William Holden plays at Sunset Boulevard, who's laying face down in the pool at the beginning of the movie. I'm like, I saw the musical. The movie's so great. Um, I OK, don't hate me because you already okay. like you and Amy already like, even though you said it was no judgment about coffee and Sweeney Todd. There's no, well, I'm Todd, joking. I know, I'm I know, I know. sorry. But Sweeney Todd is, okay, yeah, I know, I get it. I, I get really it. wanted to see it when they did it downtown. It was just like, I'm poor. I get it. And I was like, I can't spend that much money and all of the cheap yeah. tickets were already gone. And I'm like, I can't spend like $300 to there see is, a show. There is a great DVD of it. The, the original is pretty spectacular. Oh, do you have it? No, I don't. Oh, um, don't tease me. I think you can rent it. I think you can rent it too. Um, yeah. Angela Lansbury and George Hearn. Oh, I thought you meant of like the production they did there that somebody like- Oh, no, no, no. I would love to, oh my God, I would love to see that. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, I got bootlegs of stuff. I told you brief encounter yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. With all due respect to everyone's stage performances, but bootlegs are- I think fun. now people are a little like, you know it. what? Nothing yeah. else is happening. No, but I, then, like, I think once theaters reopen, I think actors yeah. can be like, put those bootlegs away, kids. Sure. Yeah. I, I just found a bootleg of uh, the original cast of the producers that I want to watch. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, wow. Like in New York or Chicago? I think New York. Oh, wow. You That's... can find it all on YouTube. Yeah. I just got to do a dive, I guess. I haven't really. Do I, have to, do I have to send that to you, too? Sure. Why not? Okay, great. I'll, I'll Anything, am I going to make like a list or anything on Instagram? I would like to see producers because I did not see that. Um, I saw, so I also like really love Hunter Foster. Yeah. And there's like a joke my freshman year of college with my friend, how like every time I was in like the Times Square Theater District area, I would always see him. <laughs> and so the joke was like, he's stalking me. <laughs> so like serendipitously, my mom, my older sister, my younger sister and I like came into the city 
and they and we got tickets to see the producers and I made them stand outside so I can meet Hunter Foster. Wow. And like everybody left. He took wow. fucking forever to come out. And my mom's like, you know how long we waited? I think she said, but she also got to meet Johnny Osmond. So it was fine. Oh my God. I'm like, well, no, that's when he was doing Beauty and the Beast and they moved the TKTS booth oh, to the Marriott. Yeah. Oh, I was like, wow. I, and I was just like hanging out. I was like, mom, Johnny Osmond's there. And she has a pair of binoculars. And every time she takes them out, she goes, you know, my father bought me these when I saw the Osmond brothers in concert. So like every time these binoculars come out, that same story is always said. And she said to him, I saw the Osmond. So there's like a photo of my mom and Donnie Osmond. And she's like the happiest person. Oh, oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. I have a lot of stage door stories. Do you have any stage doors? Did you like theater nerd? Like, well, no, you moved here when you were... Um, yeah, you know, okay, so this is, I... Did you cry when you met anybody? I didn't cry. I fully cried when I met Laura Linney. Oh, I, I, yeah. The first time I cried, she touched my elbows. Oh. And then the second time, literally the only person at the stage door for the one woman show she did, my name is Lucy Barton, and Mm. there was an autograph seeker there too, which pissed me off because I'm like, I need my moment with Laura Linney. But he was actually really nice and took photos for me. For you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like, I was so, cause I told you I have a droopy eyelid. So if I'm like super tired or like, eh, my eyes like super droop. Mm-hmm. So the photo of me, I'm like, hey. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I ever. Um... But when you met the dad from Dawson's Creek, you cried? <laughs> well, here's the thing. When he came on to do this show and I was not aware of his body of work. I, mm-hmm. I was not the demographic for Dawson's Creek. I think I just, yeah, it wasn't my thing at the time. You're and not much older than me. How have you not watched um, on the Creek? It's like, it wasn't my show. That's you fine. You I mean? well, also show. weren't like a teenage girl, so it's no. Fun. And and I, I certainly have since done the deep dive. And um, I also knew that he had played the original Flash for CBS in the 90s, but, but I was, it, that wasn't really on my radar either because I think I was like five years old. And so, mm-hmm. um, uh, he of course means a lot to me as a person. And so there's a different relationship there, but mm-hmm. I have, for me, it's like, and we can get into this because I have the performances that, um, this is a bad musical theater major talking. It's the straight plays that have brought me to those places of like, when I see certain, if I can see someone deliver just words and sometimes I have an emotional reaction to it, not because it's an emotional scene, but because it's so beautiful. It's mm-hmm. it's like the perfect mm-hmm. way of that's I, it. No, I get it. it's like getting back to like the best things you've seen on stage. Like you kind of have to. There's I I'm not gonna name names in the podcast, um, but there was one show I did march at, mm-hmm. and there was this line every night where this actor had to say, "Please don't leave me." Mm. And out of all of the times I worked that show, I only ever believed him once. Oh, wow. Oh, that's and that could have just been me. I mean, sure. other people were like, you're amazing. I'm like, I don't sure. know. Like, he was fine. Yeah. But I get it. It depends too. Like, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I remember seeing um, the last, I saw Oslo twice. And the last scene is Jefferson Mays comes into the audience and is talking to all of us. And at, at that particular theater, I think it's the Vivian Beaumont. It's mm-hmm. you know, my favorite theater. Around. Although I will say though, there are some seats, if you sit there, not a great view. Not, not a great view, but that theater is really spectacular. Yeah. And 
he comes out and he's talking to, and I was just incredibly emotional. And the moment itself isn't emotional, but what he's talking about in his earnestness, I was like, it is so perfect what he's mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. And it's the only time I've ever written fan mail in my life was to the cast of that show, not just to him, but to the entire cast, because I think it's an incredibly complex show and it's very difficult to do. And I saw it twice and was just like, I mean, how lucky are we? Like that year, it was also Doll's House Part Two. Like, oh, Indecent was on Broadway that year. Like there's so many. I, I, it's funny because my Facebook, you know, like the memories, mm -hmm. I saw that show however many years ago today and Mm. I think because I'm Jewish, I definitely had a much different reaction to it than somebody who wouldn't be Jewish. Sure. And the fact that the actor who was the storyteller, the narrator, wasn't nominated for a Tony. I know. I, do, I, I, I just like, and the fact, but also the director winning mm -hmm. at the like, I lost my shit. I was so excited. But like, I also have a special place in my heart for Paula Vogel because sure. the show I directed my senior year was How I Learned to Drive. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that was, I had a very rough senior year of college as I think I like touched upon a little bit with you before. Um, and just to even direct a show was such a challenge mm -hmm. and how I learned to drive had, and it's so funny because when they announced like it's coming to Broadway, but like mm -hmm. these people I went to college with were like, we were gonna tag you in this post oh. about it. Oh. Yeah, so anyway, but like Paula Vogel, the indecent, it just, She's Killed me. Very, Killed me. very special writer, and and beautifully done show, yeah. and just like that's Finally. another Etsy with my friend. Yeah, the the free show. So. Yeah. <laughs> I just there's so much power in the simplicity of that play. Uh, I was I was warned, not warned, but told wait the last two seconds of the play. And I was like, how, I mean, what can you do to me? I'm like really getting emotional just thinking. Me too. I, 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 and so I saw that, I saw Oslo, I saw Doll's House. I forget what else was nominated that year, but I was like, wow, we're fucking lucky. And the fact that I've been in New York over a decade at this point, I was thinking the, the first straight play I saw on Broadway was Doubt. And, and what that, it should Did you see the original cast? Or I, the did, I did, I did. And it completely changed my life. I remember I couldn't even get out of my seat to stand up because I was like, yeah. I didn't know that you could do that. I didn't know. First of all, thought Cherry Jones was the, that age and then realized later that she was so much younger than the part she was, and this whole thing. But, but we, we are in this time. And like then, sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place. Then the ferryman came out the year after. I was like, we are in this exquisite time. I, I just, a ferryman. Everything about, I just, I can't, I like, I can't with that. Like my, one of my dream roles is Caitlin Carney uh -huh, uh -huh. and I'm working on my Irish accent. Uh -huh. I will do it for you when I'm drunk. Yes. Just like my share impression, which I did a little the other day. Oh, we're fucking Darcy. It comes out. Well, you know, it's funny. Like a year before the panty, mm -hmm. my friend and I, one of my best friends and I were out to dinner and I was having wine and I started doing share. I'm like, I'm sorry. She's like, I'm not surprised that you're breaking out your share impression. Like, <laughs> it's good. It is good. Oh, I, just, I mean, it, other than share, what other impressions can you do? Oh boy. Well, that's goes back to my childhood is like born into this like comedic body. And I was like just a Jerry Lewis 
fan. And that's honestly what made me want to start performing was I was like, oh, I just want to be, I want to do that. Because I, I did it, it gives you a glimpse. There was a blockbuster opening a, uh, in our home, in my hometown. Um, my, when I was in my youth, my stepdad used to call it B2B. <laughs> like you know how I jokingly say like I have no social life kind of mm. true but like when I was younger because my parents were divorced so it was either like at my dad's house sure. one weekend sure. or it would be like going to Blockbuster and then Carvel with like my stepdad and little sister yeah yeah so yeah. that would be my weekends Blockbuster was the shit and it there's opened. still one that exists oh that's right you have a Blockbuster shirt. I do my Blockbuster shirt is from my hometown in Alaska because they were selling them right before they shut it down. And so from what I gather, we were one of the last a pilgrimage to that one remaining blockbuster. It's that's in Bend, out. Oregon. You would know that. I would know that. Uh, from what I understand, it's in you Bend, follow Oregon. follow it on Twitter? I don't yeah. follow it on Twitter, but I, yeah, I just, I think the world of it, it was like a magical place. But when it opened in my hometown, when I was eight years old, I, they had a lookalike contest. So you go and you dress up and so I won in the comedic division as Jerry Lewis and his nutty professor character. Now I only won because nobody was dressed up as a comedic character from anything else. So everybody else was like, there was a, a Kevin Costner from Dances with Wolves. There was a Joker, but nobody was in the comedic department. So I, by a landslide. Uh, anyway, the that was- The thing I ever won was a television. But so they gave me a calculator. You want a television? I want a yeah. calculator. That's a whole story actually, but another time. It's not theater related. So we have to talk about it now. Again, when these, we like- These things shape you. Like I was like, oh, yeah. I can do this and and mm -hmm. have always tried to bring some version of Jerry Lewis into my life. And, uh, okay, so I have, I have a weird thing of, I will read a memoir by a famous person mm -hmm. and I will immediately think, this happened to me the first two years I lived in New York, this happened to me with every single person. Mm -hmm. I would read their book, want mm -hmm. to write them, they would pass away. And Don't read anything about Julie Andrews. I know, I know, I know. Well, okay, so <laughs> no. I read I read Kirk Douglas's memoir and he did not die until a decade later. So, okay, good. Um, but- You're uh, not allowed to read anything, no Julie Andrews. No Julie Andrews. I have this affinity and this like deep spiritual connection to to the golden age of Hollywood. It is like- there, I'm gonna send you this on Instagram. I follow. There's, I fought. I also. You can't tell, but I do enjoy fashion. Like I, I love the Met Fashion Exhibition. Yeah, like yeah. I follow a couple of those things, and there's somebody who has like this is Hollywood hmm. Instagram account, and they also hmm. have one about like a fashion account, and she wrote a book. Oh. So I'm gonna. I'll send you her Thank Instagram you. page, and she Thank wrote you. a book about like old school and like. If you follow her story, she'll do like little quizzes of like, oh, like Henry Fonda, like blah, blah, blah. Uh -oh. I never get them right. I'm but in, like, I'm in. Mm -hmm. I'm in. I'll I have will, to send it to you. I will win the game. I'm like, what is it? B, no, I'm wrong. I'm C, such a nerd. It's so, it's my favorite thing. But we all have our, let's say I'm a nerd about theater and, yep. you know, we all have our nerd things. Yep. Yep. No. I feel like it's calmed down though since the pandemic and age. Age will do it to you. It's also like I the Oscars is like the holiest day of the year for me, and now I'm just like, ah, eh, it's on on Sunday. I haven't well, watched. Well, it's also it. like I don't imagine they're going to be all together in the same room or. Well, whatever. it's going to be a huge gathering. It's all live. It's right. not virtual. But right. like, I think the hardest category this year. 
that doesn't have a clear winner is lead actress. I agree. I, agree. I really wanted to be Carrie Mulligan because I love her, mm. but I feel like it's going to be Viola Davis mm. or Frances McDormand. I was going to say Frances McDormand, but, um, uh, but, oh my God, who won the BAFTA? Frances McDormand. She did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there was somebody, you know, I've been reading things lately. I follow Gold Derby and they're like, could it be Carrie Mulligan? Because now she's got some steam behind her. And I don't know. It's, and it's also like the performance that represents so much about what's been happening. And Okay. So you know how I like mentioned my love of SNL a few mm-hmm. weeks ago? I say one of my best friends. I have like two best friends. And so her name's Elizabeth. And she got to go to, I mean, I've been to SNL before. Uh-huh. But like she got to go to the dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm of the Carrie Mulligan SNL. Oh, wow. And I was just like, my hatred and jealousy for you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's fully aware of like, and she's like, I don't mean to like add more fuel to the fire, but like, so she got the ticket because of her roommate's friend. Mm -hmm. And if her roommate's friend couldn't find another person, Elizabeth's roommate was like, maybe you should invite Allison to go with you. And I was like, oh. Please. Yes. So great for my 30th birthday and this is like if you get to know me a little bit more you'll be like of course that happened to you I'm so my 30th birthday my stepmom she was at like some charity like some luncheon at the country club and they had like silent auctions and one of them was SNL or Seth Meyers and she goes which one do you want I was like Seth Meyers no SNL yeah because I I've seen Seth Meyer so many times and I will continue because I have a deep-rooted, passionate love for him. Um, but she got me tickets to see Sarah and I live. So it was either, I could either have done a dress rehearsal or a live taping. But my 16th birthday, my dad somehow got dress rehearsal tickets for me. So my older sister and I went to a dress rehearsal of SNL where it was Ray Liotta was the host. Oh my God. <laughs> and the musical guest was the Donnas. Oh and my nobody God. knew who the Donnas were. No, and I'm no. 16. I'm like, I know who the Donnas are. Wow. And so, but for the live taping, we saw Louis C.K. Oh, wow. Okay. But the time it was great. The time, and yeah. Now, yeah. Not so much. Yeah. But I'll never forget the, they did this courtroom sketch where he had like these fake lashes on. And so the whole sketch was about his lashes and ended up being like a Maybelline commercial. Yeah, great. And my friends and I were just cackling so much. <laughs> this guy in front of us turned around and gave us the dirtiest look because we were laughing so much. You're on Saturday Night Live, you have to laugh. Hell. You're supposed to laugh. Yeah. That's great. Wow. Well, yeah. he's there not to have fun. Yeah, man. Fine then, dude. Um. I feel like you were talking about something else right before that, and I can't. I know we were talking about indecent. Oh yeah, just yeah, I yeah. I think like you know how I keep like conveying over the ferryman. I think like if you okay. have a really good piece of theater like that, mm-hmm. and especially like in a long show, mm-hmm. like August Osage County, long show, but goes like that. Yep. You know, 100%. my favorite was I went to see it with the guy friend of mine, the movie, and I knew what happened. I do you know August Osage County? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So the fact that they're actually like brother and sister and not cousins. So the best was hearing the audience reaction in the movie theater when it's like oh. when it's like revealed. Yeah. Oh my god, 
I love, I love audience reactions to reveals. And it's always when I saw Harry Potter for like the third time, my friend and I were sitting next to this girl. She's like, yeah, the tickets are just like 80 something bucks. And she's like, you know, I don't know Harry Potter that well, but her reactions to stuff are (laughs) so great. It's like, oh, whoa. Yeah. 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 Like it was. It's really exciting. I love how that changes depending on where in the world you are and also where in the country you are. And also the audience reaction to that guy taking off a shirt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's part of it. Yeah. 100%. For sure. Now that we got like completely, completely sidetracked. (laughs) Let's see. So going back to your career. So after I'm one life to live, what happens next? Um, Like prepared that it was like, you guys knew it was canceled. Obviously, were you just like figuring out what to do next? When I, when I got on the show, I had been seeing (laughs) on message boards and stuff for a long time that there were rumors of it being canceled. So I saved at least 60% of every paycheck I ever got. Mm-hmm. and smartest thing I've ever done mm-hmm. and um kids you hear that you should do it I don't I also like so the, the movie that I got before that that didn't come out until a year and a half later was the um oh god was uh, James L Brooks had hired me to do this what I thought was a baseball movie and ended up being a, this romantic comedy it ended up coming out called how do you know mm-hmm. but it was a major flop but at the time I that I was working on it I um I worked on it for like two months mm-hmm. because there was so much on the cutting room floor, but I got paid for that amount of time. And, and so that also had seen me through and had sort of saved you know me. What I find really interesting. It's like, I know like it's really horrible when people get like cut out of films or yeah. TV and stuff. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, at least you got paid. I did. And also you know? like, I, I think like how Shailene Woodley was supposed to play Mary Jane in the Spider-Man movie, oh, yeah. but like all of her stuff got cut. Yeah. yeah. Like, got paid. It's also like, you know, of course every actor is like, Oh, is this the thing that's going to give me exposure that might, mm-hmm. you know, move me to the next step. And so I had a couple of scenes in this movie and, and the director thought I was funny. And like, there were, there are things that were happening that, that when none of it made it, except there's like, I'm in the movie for like two seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was disappointed, but at the same time, I was like, well, maybe there was a part of me that was like, well, maybe I'm not ready, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, that's okay. So um, f- the fall after the soap got canceled, I got this uh, NBC show that uh, was a mid-season replacement, and it was a pretty big part, and it was a substantial thing. And then I remember the next May going to the final rap party and they were like you know you'll be on the second season and everything was great and then I found out on Mother's Day the show got canceled so you just never know and then I went through some it was hard for a little while it was like the bottom fell out and I think that kind of culminate culminated in being working at a at a restaurant and someone coming in and recognizing me from the soap and asking me like I forget how they said it, but they're like, why didn't you tell us you were working here? We could all come and visit you. And I was like, no, that doesn't sound good at all. Cause this is a job for me. And it just, it was kind of like, well, what are you doing here? Kind of thing. And yeah. I, you know, I, I had come to grips with it myself. I was like, you know, I need, you need to go to work. There's no shame in that. But, um, but not everybody understands 
what that means. And so some people are like, did you quit acting or did you? No, I'm still trying, but you know, sometimes that just is the way it goes. And um, certainly not for lack of trying, but there's a couple of hard years there for a while. I went to LA for a year and uh, same song, second verse there. It's just tough working three to four jobs just to, ooh, those are- Working tough. hard for the money. Yeah, there was a one time in LA where I didn't have enough gas to get over the hill back into San Fernando Valley. Wow. And I, I had to like, I was looking for change in my car and I found like two, two bucks and I, that got me over. And cause I, everything cleared on the same day and I didn't have enough money to, it was just, yeah. I haven't, I'm having like a mini anxiety attack <laughs> I'm sorry. That right now. Well, no, I feel like that was, no, honestly, like that was me with like this whole pandemic and like, yeah. you know, before I, I, you know how you're like, I got this. So before this job I got now, I applied for this and another job and I interviewed for both of them. And I was pretty confident I was going to get one of them. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting both. Mm. Um, toss hair. I had to turn the hey. other down because I started this job and the sure. other part time. Yeah. Good for you. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. sometimes you're like, it's not a theater job, but I get to do. Theater no, theater. but, but there's also like, I've also learned anything that allows you to do the thing that you love. Like it's a privilege to make a, an entire living in this industry. It's not. I'm, I'm very lucky with what I got because it's a lot more money than what I was making. Sure. I get to work from home and like. Sure. And do the, the thing you job. Love. Yeah. It was yeah. such long hours. And I was like, once things open and it's a Monday night and they're having a concert at Lincoln center, like, a, like, give me a show. Yeah. The Rogers and have like if they do uh, South Pacific concert, yeah, I will be there. I can go. Like they yeah. did the Scarlet Pimpernel a couple of years ago, uh, and I was dying to go, but I couldn't because I worked on Mondays until like eight o'clock at night. Yeah, and I'm like I'm a very good worker. I don't like asking off when I have to, like don't have to or like I'm not gonna be like hey, hey, I'm sick. I get that? Yeah, I get. You know? it. I mean, I did have to do that once when I like change cable providers, but that's <laughs> a story. Like I'm so thick, cause like the the cable is fucked. Up. It's and I and I I, I, see I was like I can't like I can't go to work. I was like I have to go to work. Like, yeah. So. But no, I'm very lucky, and especially now with like the pandemic, cause I still know people who don't have jobs. Yep. yep. You know, it's just it's crazy. Yeah, it's my my wife and I both had employment last fall. Uh, mm -hmm. We knew it was temporary, but. Um, you know, was that your inches in America? Or? No, I was teaching. Um, oh, that's right. Zoom. Yeah. And then she was working for that nonprofit, helping people to register to vote. And, uh, you know, it was very fulfilling and it was necessary and it was great. And I, 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 <laughs> I was really resistant to teaching because I, a feel like the more that I learn about how to do this, the less I think I know. And B, because, um, actually something my uncle told me when I was in college he was like well when you fail at being an actor um you should learn how to teach and I was like why would you say that to me like I haven't even tried it yet like professionally yeah. so I had this chip on my shoulder that saying like, those who cannot do teach yeah and I was like well and he's a teacher and so I was like so are you is this you dealing with something but also um I realized it was stupid to not take this job and I I'm so glad I did. And it also reinvigorated, like watching these students, they were just so passionate and so excited and so hungry. And I was like, yeah, I am too. 
-hmm. just because I've been out of school for a while doesn't mean I'm not any of those things. And this kind of reminded me and relit the fire under my ass. I just really enjoyed. Anyway, so sometimes you have to do things for you. And mm -hmm. I didn't realize what a gift that would be. And I'm so glad I said yes. That's probably also like a writing thing too, right? Or no? Since, uh, in what, in what You mean like doing it for yourself? Like do you yeah, do it for yourself yeah. or? Well, so with this play that, that is now optioned and ready to go. Oh, yeah, let's talk about this play. Sure. Uh, also, and before I, we do that, I just, would you ever direct? I'm interested in it for sure, but I don't know if it's wise for me to, at this point in my life, to direct my own work because... Or, I mean, just in general. Oh, yeah, I, I am I am very interested in it. I, I think more in terms of being a writer at the moment, but like, yeah, I, I definitely would... I would love to, and I have directed little things here and there before, but. Um, maybe we'll get you to direct a virtual reading. Maybe, I'd be totally down for that. I'm, I'll tell the people. I'll tell the people, I love I'll, that. I'll um, tell the people. It's like, it's kind of gross. I'm like, guys, I love him. I keep on, I would just. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I love this so much. And I, I just. For me, it's like when you find, and it's not only you, there are other people. So I don't want you to think that I'm just like David obsessed. No, 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 no. Um, no, it's just like when you have such a great time working with someone and they're just so eager to do stuff and they're just so kind and just happy to be there. Like you just want to keep working with them. I just, I've also met people much older than me that still have a zeal and a work ethic and an excitement about this. And then there, on the flip side, there are also people younger than me that are very, very bitter about what this industry has handed them or not handed them. And so I understand some of that is dependent on opportunity and some of it is dependent on a decision, you know, when you wake up in the morning, but I just, mm -hmm. I, I talked to this class, I think they were NYU students. This is a couple of years ago. I was helping somebody out and I said, I don't think people talk enough about the joy that this industry can bring. Mm -hmm. And someone raised their hand and said, we have people coming in here all the time who tell us how difficult this is for a living. No one has ever mentioned joy. Yeah. Ever. Sorry. Eighth Avenue. Fire. No, I get it. It's, Fire. but it's, it's just so important to me that, mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to get, especially at the college level, you're going to be told, you know, only two of you are going to make it. Like, you, fuck off. I was told I wasn't going to get cast till I was older. And how did you feel about that? I was like, thanks. Yeah. It's like, well, what am I supposed to fucking do? Like, I mean, just because I did a great job playing like a six-year-old woman with who's Jewish with a Long Island accent myself. But I'm, um, yeah, like. Do, you know, like I want a chance to play like the lead female, which like looking back on it now is like probably couldn't because I think I'm more of a character. But I um, also like, and but like uh, when you're in college, you don't want to hear that shit. No, no you, you know, and, and you need to be. You know, we have to have a sense of what this world is. You know. Yeah, I just it's really interesting because you hear different people say different things about stuff, and like getting back to the joy thing really quickly. I the summer of two thousand nine. I was, I technically didn't graduate college until August of 2009, but I had enough credits to walk a graduation. Sure. Um, Cause I was a double major MBD. I have two degrees. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. And uh, it's communications and acting. And, and here I am. <laughs> um, but so I interned at Deutsch, Donnie Deutsch's advertising agency. And he said, you have to be as happy coming into work as you are leaving on a Friday mm. or something on those lines. Mm, I get that. 
you know, like you had yeah. to be as happy on Friday leaving as you are coming in, like however he worded that. And that kind of always stuck with me. Yeah. And I have to say, like, as horrible as this pandemic is and getting a new job, like it kind of was a blessing in disguise because with my old job, I was getting like a little curmudgeon like, yep. like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to, have to constantly tell people where there's a bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then like last Friday, I had like my two month meeting with my boss and I was just like, our team is great. I'm like mm-hmm. nerdily excited about stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, you kind of need that. But I was yeah. also doing my old job for like six and a half years. And I was, I was working behind a desk with such a fucking pain in the ass woman. Yeah who I'm pretty sure now lives in a glass bubble because if you want to talk about like germaphobe. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. 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 Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Girl. Free Britney. Free Britney. I feel like I know that there's like a Britney Spears birthday card that exists. So I feel like whenever your birthday is, I have to buy you that card. I didn't know that. I, oh, oh, I see what you mean. I thought you meant like there's a birthday card digitally that everyone can sign and we're going to send it. Like I will like, either like hand it to you be like hey david bye or also, just like, no david i'll take i'll take it whether it's birthday related or not i feel like i'll tell you what next time i see the card i will buy it okay and when this lunch or whatever we do finally happens okay. i like how i say it. let's actually make it happen we can we have the ability to i mean i don't but live when you're in back new in new york yes 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 yeah we i'm free on mondays every other tuesday and saturday and Tuesday. That's so specific. Well, well, no, it's because my schedule, like I work Tuesday to Friday and then I work Wednesday. But next week, oh my God, is like busy. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm not gonna just yeah, I'm working 50 hours and then I have morning and oh, but it, honestly, it's really not that bad. Okay. It's really not that bad. Because like even though like I'm working, like I'm sitting at home. I was watching the office today while it's working. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I had like 30 minutes to sit, but like every time I heard like a text come in or like a, an IM come in, I was like, what am I doing? Cause I was in like stat records today. So like if somebody needed something, I was like on it. To be, to be accountable for the time. Oh no, even my coworker called me today. She's like, Hey, so I think we should like figure out how to like divvy up the work, AKA like calm down girl. Like you don't have to do as much work as you are. Oh, well that's a better way of addressing than saying, Hey, you're not pulling your weight. Oh no, we're like, my team that I work, like the entire company is great, but the team that I work with is like so supportive and like- Oh, I love that. Have each other's, I know, it's so nice. That's really great. You, that's really, I'm happy for you because that's, that changes mental health more than anything, I think is the work environment. Yeah, I agree. Well, I also call 2021 big dick energy, so. Good, yes. Oh, well, okay. My, when I went out to dinner with my dad, my stepmom, my siblings, Mm -hmm. my brother's friend, we went to a restaurant and my sister's like, oh my God, I think that's a dick cake. So somebody had a penis cake. Oh, lovely. And so for my birthday, (laughs) they got me, there's a video on my Instagram. Um, Oh, I can't wait. Penis cake. So I'm like, this is the energy I am bringing to 2021. I will say that like last month, I kind of lost it a little bit, but I need to like bring But that's also like, it's still early in the year technically and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can get it back. Yeah. I love that. It's a dick (laughs) dick. Yeah. And it's so funny. I was like, and then we were all joking, like everybody, every time we come to this restaurant for someone's birthday, we're going to have to get a penis cake. And then, yeah, no, for shiz. 
And then I was telling my friend and she's like, oh, let me guess your mom's family got that for you. I was like, no, my dad's. And she's like, what? That's impressive. That's impressive. I was crying. That's hilarious. (laughs) It's great. Mm -hmm. And it tasted delicious. I bet it did. Yeah, I have a twin brother and sister. So my stepmom was like, we're going to have to get your brother like a boob cake. So they're going to have to like shape it like boobs. That's not that hard to do. I know, especially if you have the dessert, the Napoleon. Do you know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yes, yeah. I do. With the it was, it's a Napoleon a, with like those Italian ice cream. Cup. Yeah. I'm getting very specific about what this I, is. But I see exactly what you're saying. I know exactly the dessert you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. totally doable. Yeah, 100%. You know, make it at home. Make it at home? Make it at home. Butt cakes and like, you could have all sorts of cakes. Man. I can our, see that. Our sex is imminent party is going to be so specific to those of you listening that don't know oh sorry guys this is in reference to the phrase sex is imminent which is a stage direction in the play which is read 50 it's read at least at the end of every almost every scene at least yeah yeah you didn't you just read it right i can't remember if you you said if you saw it or not i did not see it no yeah you just read it that summer I was gone or at, I don't know. I think I missed it. Mm-hmm. Well, for the people who are obsessed with you, how did this passion flick movie happen? That was a, um, this makes me sound probably more important than I am, but it was an offer. I got a phone call. In fact, this is so interesting. July 8th, 2019. So specific. I remember thinking for the first time genuinely, what if I can't do this for a living anymore? What if it doesn't want me, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, this is someone who was at the time working three to four jobs to make ends meet. And I remember thinking, what would happen if I quit? And I remember before I went to sleep that night, I went like, please just give me a sign. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I had a dream that night where I quit and I was super sad and I woke up and da, 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 da. And I'm at the gym and I get a phone call from my agent. He's like, we have this offer for you for this movie. And here's the company and the, the director wants to have a conversation with you before you read the script. And that was just because of the subject matter and all of that. And, um, and I just got a good vibe from her and uh, I'm so glad I did it. It's actually... Um, the the script is based almost entirely on the book and so a lot of the scenes are very long and so I was like oh this is a play and if I treat it like a play it'll be a really great experience and um and it was it changed it changed the course of what I was doing and I've never been the lead in a movie before and mm-hmm. proved that I could do it to myself and also like knew how to prepare for that because I had sort of incrementally been given opportunities that had sort of led to that and um that's that's the movie that took me to london for the first time and um you should go back and like actually remember what london is like (laughs) well i did see a play while i was over there i saw um uh the sun which is which they're turning into a movie with yes they are and and laura dern that's right um i just and I was like front row center. So good. So good. My friend great. and I, again, I keep like, it's literally like the two people. So for my big 30th birthday, mm-hmm. my dad was like, do you want a gift or a trip? And I said, I want to go to London and Paris. Yeah. Paris is my dream place to go. And he's yeah. like, okay, great. I'll pay for a flight and hotel. Wow. Like, however long you want to go. Wow. So 
great. The big thing for me was seeing something in the West End you can't see in New York. Yep. And I One love it. And I love a good historical drama. Yep. So we ended up seeing this play called Queen Anne. Yeah. Yeah. Which also is like, you know, if you saw the movie The Favor and it's like the same story, yes. but yes. like not all that evening. So yes, yeah. okay, yeah. And it's funny because we stayed at the Haymarket Hotel and literally like right around the corner was the theater. And if you looked at our window, you saw where Phantom was. Oh, so great. It was a really great hotel. I just, I loved walking around there because mm-hmm. uh, also just the way they treat their theaters and there's like a plaque for every single, you know, this occurred here and this was here. I feel like we didn't pay enough attention to certain things though, because you're so, like on the go. Yeah, and it's so overstimulating too. But what I really appreciate is like the history in this country, as far as documented history, only goes back so far. Yeah. The history there is like so much farther. And so you're looking at things that are like centuries old and it's just so exciting. For me, what was really cool is when we went to Westminster, I really wanted to see the coronation chair Mm -hmm. because I was like, how this chair hasn't been used in like over 60 years. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking awesome. I will say though, we were there during the summer so we were at Westminster on the 4th of July and like one of the guys there actually wished us a happy 4th of July, which is pretty funny, but yeah. They, yeah, that's uh, treason day. <laughs> it's pretty great. Whoops, Whoops. Yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Brits. Sorry, love. Well, it's funny because somebody's like, what if they talk to you about Trump? I'm like, well, we'll just talk about Brexit. Nobody said anything. Yeah, but also like, we know that Trump is an idiot. Well, most of us do. And so we don't, ha- we don't have to, don't he's have not to. here anymore. He's, he's not here like, anymore. We don't have to reminisce about it. That was something that I, I felt really, that I thought was really sweet was because of my involvement with Passion Flicks, a lot of my followers are, are international now. And mm-hmm. so I would get messages from people all over the world on election day. And they were like, we're pulling for you. You guys can do it. And That's I was like, so cute. Oh my God, it was so sweet. People from the UK, people from Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really cool. It was cool. Yeah. So because you think like, or you feel, or you know that it's kind of changed the course for you, this movie, mm-hmm. what happened after? Um, here's the thing. It's still a very niche market, but now I have, you know, I, I have footage that, that I didn't have. Like I have myself on screen doing s- scenes that I've never been given the opportunity to do before. Like I had this 11 minute monologue about the abuse that I tried to protect my brothers from just things that I was like okay now I feel like I'm being given an opportunity that I can mm-hmm. you know um this sounds terrible to say out loud but it is unfortunately a byproduct of this industry is that um I got a lot more social media followers and sometimes they look at that when they're hiring you for a job so and I hate that I I, I get but, it but I was I got those followers because of this job mm-hmm. and th- that means a lot to me only in as far as I don't ever want to be in a position and I, I I'm sure it's happened before where that was a factor yeah and it's not something I personally care a lot about and mm-hmm. um, it doesn't mean I don't want people to follow me but I just I, I'm not someone that I, I'm not on social media a lot. I'm mm-hmm. more of an observer. And so I'm just like, it means more to me to get this 90 minute play right than it is to write this skit and be on TikTok for like five seconds or whatever. Nothing against that, but I'm I'm just, I'm in the long it's, it's haul. It's not boat. your, yeah. 
It's not my thing. Yeah. 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 Listen, there, there's a lot of, you know, actors and stuff out there who's just like, I can't with the social yeah. and like, yes, it kind of helps them, but like, it's sure. also a way of like promoting what they're doing, which is really great. But I understand that. Like, I don't really post that much on social media, but when I'm bored, I'm on it. Sure. Yeah, me too. And, but for me, it's tricky because like the things that get the most traffic are the things that I'm like, I'm doing this because it's part of the image or whatever Mm -hmm. that I have done. Mm -hmm. But when I post the things I'm most excited about, like, Hey, you know, my screenplay won this award. It, not as many people care and, and that's okay. But that just lets me know that. You know what? I care. Thank you. And it's I almost, just, it's I almost like, email you. it's almost like this, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it's very, I understand clear. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like um, you, they're there for a specific reason. And that's totally fine. But you know, I've also gotten messages from people being like, you haven't posted yourself shirtless in a while. And I'm just like, but I don't have to do that. Like you, you don't. I don't have to do what you say I have to do. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? Like, you know, oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. Let me go. Yeah. I'm also like, it's a pandemic. And like my mother-in-law passed like, away. Like I put my dad in a nursing yeah. Like I'm I'm not yeah. there right now. Like, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Anyway. And you don't have to. Like you don't no. have to post a thirst trap if you don't want to. No. And also like, you know, whatever I posted a year ago, I probably wouldn't post now. You know what right. I mean? Like right. people change and whatever they want to post change and stuff. Okay. So talk to me about this play you wrote. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Um, I guess. Yeah. So I had the idea in 2012 to write this play. It's Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart. Um, Some of your favorite actors. Two of my absolute favorites. They were in, in my reading about them. And I didn't know this until I read about them that uh, they were best. They were already passed when you wrote, when you read about them. Say that again. I was saying like they already passed away yes, yes, when you yes. read about them. And it wasn't like a, a thing like, oh no, I just Oh no, I did not, them. I did not create this. Again, no. you uh, are not allowed to read about Julie <laughs> Andrews. They um I, I didn't realize that they were such good friends and that they were um, you know, sort of came up through the ranks together and and were mm-hmm. roommates and all this stuff. But then the big kicker for me was that they were uh political opposites and very, very adamant. Uh, in their beliefs against one another and Mm -hmm. um, so in my mind I was like okay this is a play but I'm not skilled enough to write this but I kept coming back to the material because it's so Mm -hmm. it makes so much sense to me that I just kept writing it and then in 2013 or 14 my hard drive crashed and I lost almost all of it just a fluke thing so I was forced to start over which was maybe the best thing in hindsight that could have happened because it may by the time I'd figured out what worked and what didn't and um Mm -hmm. Uh, I finished it in 2017 and um, started entering it in in like festivals and, and conferences and uh, it it got into the Last Frontier conference that Edward Albee was a big part of up in Alaska, conveniently close to where I live. And um, I was not able to go because I was on hold for a big job that could have changed my life and flew back to New York and then found out when I landed, I didn't get the job. Um, what is that? Can you tell me? You'll tell me after. I, I, well, I can tell you now. I, I was on hold to play Superboy in the Titans series, and um, okay. they weren't sure. They knew they wanted to introduce the character at the very end of the season, but they mm-hmm. ended up going with a stunt double because they were like doing it in shadows. And they're like, so we don't need 
Yeah. And, and it's okay because like the guy that got it should, should be the one getting it. Um, so then they recast it the next year. And I actually asked the next year, I was like, okay, so now they're doing season two. Can I be seen? And they were like, they've seen the tape. They might think you're too old now. So mm. oh, what a difference a year makes. Um, so anyway, I look better with age. It's <laughs> they graciously filmed the presentation and the, and the panel discussion afterwards and sent it to me. And I was, they were really tough on me and they should have been. And I made some, big sweeping changes. Mm -hmm. um, short story is we had another reading. It was brought mm -hmm. to some producers who signed it and we did a workshop production in 2019. Mm -hmm. And knock on wood, mm -hmm. we're close to the next step. Well, I'm available to direct. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I am not in it. It's too... Soon. Oh, I'm sorry. Do I have to direct everything with you in it? No, but people I'm ask. Joking. They're like, are you going to be a part of this? And and Well, I did read, I'm not going to lie. I only read the first four pages because my brain wasn't working when I was reading it. I was like, I can't like read this right now, but it is a very like sweeping and visual there is, epic. There is a, um, just to kind of keep up with what I was saying before with like, you know, you have a two men play, the minute those two people are out on stage, the yeah. audience is like, all right, what's next? Show me what's next. So yeah. I've sort of crafted it in this way that, that really cooks. And so it jumps, most scenes are like two to three pages with the exception of the very beginning, which is like this about mm -hmm. 10 minute scene where they're starting yeah. to work on the airplane and they're, anyway, um, but it's very cinematic. And it's one of the reasons why it's difficult to do is because there's really quick changes and really quick yeah. things have to happen. So um, I'm very proud of it. I, you know, a couple readings, couple workshops later and we're, it's in, it's in good shape. It just needs to, uh, you know, the pandemic obviously stopped a lot of this, but um, I just, I feel like I found something that makes sense to me and people really respond to it. And I'm very, very excited. And, it's a niche market for sure, but um, it's weird. I, I didn't think I could feel as fulfilled not being an actor as I do with this project as a writer. And it's just very, very exciting. So yeah, I, mean, I think if you find something, you know, it's like, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, I really... haven't acted in so long. Like I refuse to do a reading of the play Proof. Mm. Like mm -hmm. I will not direct it because my dream role is Catherine and I'm mm -hmm. like, and I'm horrible with reading out loud as you've already heard. Okay. Well, <laughs> walk me through that only because you, you do have a degree in acting. So is it, is it cold reading that? Yeah. Know? I'm just not good with cold reading. Like right, if I, I learn the lines and everything, then I'm fine. And then it. I can kind of like build it from there, but uh, I just can't like, you know, so, and I was, I think it also has to do with like a learning disability that I was I understand. with, but like they never categorized what it was. I understand. So, so um, so auditioning is a nightmare for you in that sense. I, like, I've actually Horrible. went on like, so when I graduated college, I just kind of started working and I didn't really audition. So I never mm. really did like the acting thing. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not a podcast story. That's. I see over lunch story. Okay, got it, got it. Because we're not gonna... Guys, you're missing out. Guys. <laughs> NBD, let me see what other questions I have. Oh, please, please. I kind of may or may not have stolen like questions. <laughs> Is there anything you want to ask me while I'm just like going through my papers? I was curious if you had, um, I mean, I know we discussed Neil Butte, but you have playwrights that you're always like looking at and 
that you will drop everything to see no no i think it's more of like the story yeah the story who's in the show yeah. um it's funny because when i was in london the ferryman was playing there mm. oh, and wow. i was like oh this is going to come to broadway and it did and i was just like Ugh. i was like yeah. i wish i saw it in london um no, I just, I think it just really depends on like who's, like I wanted to see Hangman because Dan Stevens was in it mm-hmm. and I love me some Downton Abbey. Oh my God, <laughs> second movie Christmas. Second so movie Christmas. Um, yeah, no, I think it just, you know, depends. And if I also like have, so I was a huge fan of the History Boys, still am. Mm-hmm. So I kind of follow like certain actors' careers. So like whenever Russell Tovey's on Broadway, I'll be like, I'm going to go see Russell Tovey. Yeah. But like, I didn't get to see Virginia Woolf and I've actually never seen a production of Virginia Woolf. I'm sorry. I'll add that to my list of things. No, no, know. it's just that I, my, on my list of incredible performances I saw was Tracy Letts. And okay. here's, okay. Incredible. My merch company had that show. Mm-hmm. The manager refused to let anybody else work it but she let one person work the show to see the show and i was like are you why i don't know that doesn't make any sense make no sense to me i was also really bummed i missed wolf hall because i'm like oh i'll do merch there and i never i missed it too and i i'm sure the miniseries is fantastic but i think something about seeing something live is really yeah yeah also like the story of the tutors like i'm here for yeah yeah are you a fan of the tutors the uh the tv show show yeah Yes, although not Henry Cavill's acting, especially Ah, in the last season. I know, like, I call him my future husband, but, like, let me just say this really quickly. Mm -hmm. Granted, you're in your 20s. They Mm -hmm. age you. You look like a lion. Mm -hmm. Your voice still sounds like a 20-something-year-old. At least Jonathan Rhys Myers lowered his voice. Right, 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 right. Yeah. (laughs) And so, also, like, I will say, though, like, Oh my God, what's her name? Who played Anne Berlin? Um, is it- yeah. um, Natalie something? Natalie Dormer. Yes. Yeah. Fucking incredible in that yeah, role. She's really great. She's really yeah. great. She I did mean. Venus and Fur in London. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense to me. Incredible. Did you get an Olivia nomination for that? I mean, I know they sometimes- I don't do remember. It. Such a great part. Um, I don't know. I just like, I saw Venus and Fur twice because I was just like, holy so shit. And that again is when I got a closer seat. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So are you going to ask me something and then I rambled? I don't remember now. Um, I do have a fun fact for you. <gasps> what? There is a, a um, and maybe you know this already. Um, there is a poster for the third season of the Tudors that I'm on. Um, How would I know that? Can you when, please send me this? Jonathan Reese Myers is sitting on a throne that's made out of human bodies. I'm yeah. The back of the throne i'm gonna have to uh, hold on i have to google this now it's um i, I say this because because i did the shoot with um nick adams and he's in far more of the throne than i am but the, i did make the cut because i have sideburns and you can tell it's my self anyway i think it's season three i'm gonna talk amongst yourselves i'm looking that's, that's my fun fact it's your fun fun fact i'm a, i'm a big proponent of fun facts Oh, uh, you mean this photo? That is my back. I've never seen that. Yeah. Well, then that's you? That's me, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen this photo before. It's not well known, but it was in Times Square for- you just got like British for a second? Yes, it's not well known, yes. <laughs> but it is, it's my one modeling job that I've ever done. 
I have. I've literally never seen this photo and like I'm obsessed with the idea of this now. I feel like it was on some limited release DVDs of the third season, but who has DVDs? It could have been a DVD. I'm just used to like, like this photo with the women behind him or like the one where he's like, "Mm," with all the other women. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like so many women he had. It was great. (laughs) You know, whatever. Anyway, sorry. Oh, it's like, ooh, Google News. I, I guess I have a huge entertainment knowledge base. So it's just like, oh, Madonna's daughter and whatever. Like, yeah, she date, used to date Timothy Chalamet. I am well aware. <laughs> I also have a Timothy Chalamet prayer candle up over there. Oh, I didn't realize you were such a big fan. Oh, I love him. I also like, if you like, what is it? The year like 2017 to like 2018, like, I'm, I saw Call Me By Your Name in theaters mm-hmm. way too many times. And I you know that a lot. When I, um, so the first thing I do with my students when I ask them mm-hmm. first day of class is, is what are the things that shaped them, the things that they watched, like television, mm-hmm. movies, whatever it is, because sometimes those are the, you know, be the things that we glean from when we do our own work. Mm-hmm. And most of the students said, Call Me By, their, Call Me By Your Name was the thing that changed the way they saw acting mm-hmm. and cinema in general and I think that yeah. that's really it's really cool um Michael Stuhlberg has mm-hmm. oh. incredible monologue at the end of the movie and sometimes I cry sometimes I don't and I was just like yeah. it killed me because like I just turned 30 and he's mm. like you know you give up so much of yourself that you lose you know you lose it before you're 30 and I was like well shit mm-hmm. he's also just an incredible actor oh my god I don't know. My friends and I like sometimes joke about like if they did a musical version of it, like who would play what role? Oh. And I say Danny Burstein as the father. Mm, yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. Mm-hmm. I just think Michael Stuhlberg is so special. Yeah. I just, mm-hmm. um, he's in, he plays Edward G. Robinson in the Trumbo movie. And he- I saw it. The, the scene where he tells Brian Cranston, he's like, well, I had to provide for my family. Like, yes, I name names, but I was just like, that's the scene that the movie hinges on to me because I'm like everyone knows in hindsight it was bad to name names and you're an asshole and you fuck you but I believed his desperation to and I just yeah. like this poor man he's just such a good actor he okay. is so good I think he, he act I personally think he should have been nominated for I, I do too and he had a banner year that year it was that and he did Shape of Water and he did mm-hmm. um, he's great in that too yeah, he was so good I just He's someone I might have an emotional reaction to if I see them. Yeah. Well, he actually did something at the public. Yeah, he did a production of. Um, yeah. It was a Greek show that I did. Yes, 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 yes. That was that was written by Tim Roth, not Tim Roth. Tim Roth? No, the guy from Old Brother Where Art Thou. Oh, I can't remember. Anyway. I can see them in my head, but I can't think of who it is. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. It was. Yeah. So as we're kind of like winding down, mm-hmm. do you have a favorite role you've ever played other than like the two shows that you've done with me? <laughs> oh man. Um, oh, that's tough. I feel like. Or the eight year old Harvey Firestein. Yeah, right. I feel like I heard an actor say this on an interview the other day. He said, every role is my favorite. Richard Kind said it. He said, every role is a dream role. Cause then you get into it and you're like finding something. You're like, oh, I didn't know that this was part of this. And that's that's a cliche response, except to say that like, uh, 
I don't know. I got lucky in college with some of the plays I got to do, and I learned so much. Um, here, this is the story I'll tell you because this is the one I think I could say. So I got cast as Oberon in a Midsummer Night's Dream in college, and I thought I wanted to be like Demetrius or Lysander, and I was like, "Am I? Even, what do I do with this?" Anyway, um, I came into rehearsal with the first four acts memorized because mm -hmm. I was like, "I want to go. I want to, you know." And in the fifth act, there's this long monologue he has where he realizes he's been a dick to Titania and he's just like, oh my God, I need this person in my life. And I didn't understand the monologue when I read it. Mm -hmm. And I had a really great mentor teacher. His name is Andrew May. And he worked on it with me. And I still didn't quite get it. And I will never forget this. In the middle of like the second performance, I'm saying it out loud, going through my head of like what this means and then how I'm saying it in Shakespeare land. Mm -hmm. And I realized in the moment what it was about in front of an audience of 500 people. And I never felt anything like that in my life. And that was the moment I was like, I want to be an actor. This is the most powerful feeling mm -hmm. that I've ever experienced. Um, and nothing against musicals, but I was like, I don't have to think about this. It just comes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can do all the homework and set everything up and then knock it all down and just go out and try it, which is what Anthony Hopkins says you should do. Mm -hmm. And something happens that you can't plan and you can't regurgitate the second night. And that was the night I realized it my sophomore year of college and it changed my life. And it was because I had this mentor that walked me through it. And it was because um, I came into the rehearsal not knowing or understanding it at all and thinking, well, this is, this doesn't matter. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that was that, maybe maybe that. Probably not a part I'll play anytime soon, but so I can pull out some Shakespeare mugs. We can so good. I do. I have an insult mug and a love mug that has. Oh, I love that. I, love I even that. have Shakespeare playing cards. So my pet project right now, I've written this short film called Richard's Burden. And yeah. it's um, basically it like I know about that. <laughs> it's a five minute piece that I I almost had funding for twice and then it, anyway, it's fallen through, but it's still on the docket. Oh, fund me. Well, yeah. So the idea is, is that it's him getting ready backstage before his performance of Hamlet. And he basically has to drink his way back to normal because if he's sober, he can't do it. And mm -hmm. so he comes in and he's shaking and as the more he drinks and then the film culminates with him staring into the mirror, trying to get into it. And he basically has this thing where he says that he and Robert Kennedy used to go blow for blow reciting the sonnets. And he said he beat him by reciting one backwards. And then the end of, the, of my short film is, which is something I'm working on right now, is him reciting sonnet number 18 backwards, which is the, shall I compare it to a summer's day? Yeah, now I know. And I've gotten half of it done and it is very difficult because there's no motivation. You can't, you just have to memorize the words literally backwards, yeah. but- um, But you know what? You can put that on your special skills. Yes, and it's and a pet project of mine. It's, yeah. And Did you, oh, sorry, God. No, no, I was just gonna say, I'm, I'm, I've talked to a makeup artist about, cause he was 39 when he did it, but he was like a hard 39. So I wanna- They were just, all hard looking back in the day. Yeah, age myself a little Did bit. Did you ever hear of that TV show, Slings and Arrows? Oh yeah, absolutely. Did you oh yeah. Um, I think at the time I was introduced to it, I didn't have an appreciation for it. And now going back, like I actually have it on a list of things to watch because I just listened. I don't to know where you can find it. I think I found it on Netflix. Years I'm going to, yes, I've heard it's on Netflix, but then I heard it, it might be on BritBox. Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, there's so many things. I'm like, I can't, okay. I'm like, I can't get Paramount. I don't want to get Peacock. Like I don't want right. to spend money. 
right. Luckily, like Younger is on Hulu, so I don't have to get that. Right, 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 right. Ah, there's so much great stuff out there. I and I just want to watch it all, all the time. I do want to watch Girls 5 Eva, but I'm like, I really don't want to pay for streaming. You get your, you get your, um, what is it, your week trial period, and then you just. I know, but like. I know. That's how they get you. I know. That's also like, that's how they're getting people, I'm sure, to go on there to watch The Office. But I'm like, it's right. on Comedy Central. So right. all the time. Oh, yeah, oh, really? But there'll be times I'm like, boo, it's not on. Or I'm like, it's not on until four. <laughs> it's really, I know the schedule for friends for uh-huh. during the week. It's really sad. That was my entire pandemic was watching friends. I know, I know the schedule for um Frasier. For Frasier and for Golden Girls. Yeah, because Golden Girls is the lead in on Frasier. So you have to stay mm-hmm. up extra late. To watch. I actually, there was a cousin on my dad's side who was an actor and he appeared on Golden Girls. And he was also, I believe, in a Godfather movie. And he was in uh, Moonstruck with Cher. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's like, those are big deals. Mm-hmm. One and all. And here I am. I, I've never met him. I've never met him. Wow. But he's, he's passed, but oh, yeah. He's passed. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna, okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to be like, he's a West Coaster. Yeah. But, okay. So what are your dream roles? Mm. Oh, mm. are you getting your list out? Yeah. Well, I have this list of like, see, here's the thing. I don't know if I have dream roles per se, mm-hmm. but I have like things that I've read or I just need to be in the people's orbit. Do you know the playwright Denai Gurira? She is on The Walking Dead. I, I love Oh, her. yes. Okay. I know. And she then is. she's also like this prolific playwright. And Didn't so, she write Eclipse? Yes. And she, she wrote this play familiar that I auditioned for that was at the Old Globe. And um, I wanted to do it very badly and um, was not the right type and that's fine. But I just feel like I need to be in this person's orbit because I've listened to her talk about like how she nego- like how she's like, well, yeah, I'm doing this Marvel movie, but like, I have to be like, hey, I gotta go to New York and do this reading of my play because this is like what drives me. And like, she's not afraid to advocate for herself in that. And yeah. I just- Put that in your contract. I just think she's so interesting and-, and so Lauren a- Graham has a thing in her contract about like a Gilmore, there's like a- Oh Gilmore yeah, Gilmore Girl. I've heard of it that. Yeah, she can, yeah. she has the out if she needs By the it. way, have you been watching the Mighty Dex series? Cause I know you like commented on it when I- I haven't, I haven't just this, the last two weeks have been weirdly and good busy, but um, we have it. On the I'm just like waiting for like the OG Mighty Dex to come I'm out. sure it's like towards the end. I know. Sure. Like Gordon Bombay is like a little bit happier now about hockey. Like he's a little bit of a curmudgeon in the beginning. Love it. Love it. Um, and it's just he, like fun to hear him say, I'm Gordon Bombay. And I know. Like, ah. In that voice. He, um, when he gets off the bus, I think it's a bus in Mighty Ducks 2 and says, mm-hmm. it'd be home. And he does that like Disney nod. <laughs> Whenever my brothers pick me up from the airport. They do <laughs> it's good to be home and then do the the disney nod it's so great yeah um, i love that movie it's just like every time i hear amelia westbuzz i always think of the um night the roxbury oh yeah oh. amelia westbuzz man the mighty ducks mighty story and i was like emilio emilio and he tips his hat like this he's so do you want to believe the mighty duck man so great he's, he's, he's a great filmmaker too right i just yeah yeah I didn't see it, but he had the, I mean, I was like, ooh, Mighty Ducks, um, because Joshua Jackson is in it. Yeah. He made that movie, Bobby. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he also wrote another movie and directed a um, with his father. 
the father passed and he does like some sort of pilgrimage with like the ashes interesting i think he wrote it or i know he was definitely in it he probably wrote and directed it i don't know the name of it but it was like a movie where these homeless people like end up taking over a library and like wouldn't leave yes that's the public yeah that was shot here in cincinnati that's the only reason why i know yeah yeah cool it is cool i just like i think he's such an interesting person and he's like his own guy he's like yeah but not Charlie Sheen. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he's not as like known, but also right. like, look at, I mean, also at the breakfast club. Yeah. And, I feel like he's not worried about it either. I don't almost know. fire. Yeah. Which is also a really great movie. Great movie. Like, the Brat Pack. That's yeah. something I don't know as much about, but I have more of an appreciation for as I get older. And I just, when I was 16, I was like, oh my God, I'm Molly Ringwald in uh, 16 Candles. Like, yeah. it's just the only reason I felt that way was because I was 16 and I was in love with the senior. Sure. Yeah. The feelings yeah. weren't reciprocated. And uh-huh. um, that was really the only reason I felt that way. <laughs> I mean, my family remembered my birthday. My older sister wasn't getting married, you know. I get it. I get it. Yeah, just that. Um, what would what, you ask me? You were your I, dream role. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's more of like being in people's orbit, but like, I feel like like Gordon like, Bombay in the Mighty Gordon Ducks Bombay. musical. Mighty Ducks. I don't know about the musical. I would do the stage play though. Okay. That's I don't know if I'm so like my musical dream roles are the ones where the guy doesn't sing that much. Like I'd want to be Arthur in Camelot, not Lancelot. I'd like to be Captain mm-hmm. of Trap. I'd like to be Henry Higgins. Like. Those are the because I also feel like there's a lot to to chew on, mm-hmm. like or so it's interesting because like when Tony Shalhoub, when mm-hmm. the Tony for bands visit, everyone's like he doesn't sing. So, but I personally think Henry Higgins should have won that year. But the, that Henry Higgins was fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's gonna be in um, shit. What's that musical they're doing at Lincoln Center with Tony Asback? And oh, the, um, uh, yeah, Flying Over flying, Sunset. Flying Over Sunset. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Like your dream show to see. <laughs> yes. Yes. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, I, I had it on my list like mm-hmm. pre-pandemic, and then alas. Yeah, I had. Usually, when it's like theater season, people are like, "Oh my God, you see so many shows!" It's like, no, I buy my tickets so far in advance. Mm-hmm for stuff that it all like accumulates within a month or two. A friend of mine does that like, too. I had like six shows lined up. Oh, wow. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. Yeah. I was going to the first night of previews of how I learned to drive. Oh yeah. Um, oh, you're talking about before the pandemic hit. Before the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. Um, I had tickets for six, take mm-hmm. me out. Mm-hmm. I paid for take me out. Mm-hmm. Like I made sure I got like good seats. Yeah. Um, you gonna take those Donny Osmond binoculars with you? Yeah. <laughs> Brought it back. Okay. Uh, 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 My mom will very much appreciate that, by the way. Thank I'm you. Like, mom, like I told the story. And She's then it like, got brought back. Got brought back. Maybe like you should write a show about Donny Osmond. And, oh, yeah. and not darn it. I mean, to be a good subject matter, because that family is very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Used to say, I will say, like, I'm not a writer. Mm-hmm. I can't play an instrument. Like, I can sing. I can admit it. Toss hair. Okay. Um, I really wanted to create a musical version of Mystic Pizza. Oh, I feel like that could happen. Like, my old oh. roommate works as like in the producing field. 
-hmm. and her boss, it's just her and her boss and they do like international business. So they're like working on all of this stuff and like bringing Harry Potter to Japan and like all mm -hmm. of this stuff. So I like legitimately spoke to my roommate about it. And then I was like, how do, how do I make this happen? And then they announced Melissa Etheridge is doing the music. Ah, uh, that's okay. Mr. I feel like, yeah. Hmm. And I would have been like, it's so good because like the mother can have like a huge song when she's talking to the Julia Roberts character. Boy, like, that kind of, yeah, that's interesting. Right? Um, I just listened to a podcast today with an interview with uh, Maury Yeston. And he said, he started writing nine because he loved the movie and was just passionate about the subject matter. And it wasn't until after he was done that he was like, I guess I have to go to Italy and ask this man or ask the estate for their permission. And yeah, because he spoke Italian, mm -hmm. he did, and he could, and he, you know, rest is history, but write what you're passionate about or, or produce whatever, like say, I, maybe you're not a writer, but if you know people that can, I don't know, that's how these things get done. I'm learning. Yeah. It takes a long time. But, be like David, hey, let's make a Mighty Ducks play. Oh you god. can write it. Oh my god! Quack quack quack. Um, yeah, I'm super into it. Although, not everything needs to be turned into from a movie. I agree. But but um, something. No, I just thought like because I was watching it a lot and I was because it was like always on TV. I was like, this would be a yeah. fucking great musical. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Huh. Well, I'm, I'm a genius. It's fine. You, can say you it. never know. Yeah. You never know. And that more yesterday interview, he was like, yeah, well, as I'm writing, like, then I find out that Angela Weber's got his version and mm -hmm. a phantom. And he's like, but we still, well, it's interesting. They were supposed to do uh, Leonard Bernstein, I think. Right. Or Leonard, whomever is Bradley Cooper is playing him in a movie. Uh, Leonard Cohen. No, no. Bernstein. Oh, he's doing Bernstein. That's right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So right. Jake Gyllenhaal was supposed to be playing Leonard Bernstein in a movie huh. as well. But now I don't think that's happening because of the Bradley Cooper thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's weird how these things kind of come to the surface at the same time. And I know that they don't, but sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, they have like two Snow White movies. Like, yeah, exactly. And, exactly. and then you had that movie Mirror Mirror, which was awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And look, another vampire movie. Remember when vampires were a yes, thing? Yes, absolutely. And True Blood, like it was a whole- Oh my God, I loved True Blood. It was Blood. a whole decade that we went through really with all of that. Um, the only good season of True Blood was like the first season. Then it became like a parody of itself. I actually don't know what I'm talking about enough to say, but I've seen- Did you um, watch True Blood? It I watched it. I watched it occasionally, but only when I was like, only when I was in a room, like people would be like, either they had the DVDs or I was in a hotel and they would be re-airing it. And so I watched enough to know what was going on, but I, I, I cannot speak beyond that. Yeah, I don't think like I can, like I was a huge fan of Lost. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've only, I've seen every single episode, one episode I missed like 20 minutes of, but I don't think I can go back and rewatch it. You, you don't think you can, or you don't think? You're allowed to? No, I can't <laughs> I, do that to myself. I see. I see like I they see. lost me after season two when they were in the hatch. Uh-huh. It's just like goddamn hatch. That's when they lost me too. It was the entire second season. Yeah. And then it just got weird. And I think somebody was saying they just like wrote shit and made it up. Mm -hmm. Like there was a polar bear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I will say, so Michael Emerson, who played Ben Linus, yes. like he I don't haven't seen him in years, but like he used to live in my area. So I would always see him and I'd be like, Ben Linus. <laughs> I saw him in Gersidis once. I didn't like say this to him because I'm normal, 
Right. And I'm not comfortable going up to people unless it's like at a stage door. Sure. Like very once in a rare blue moon have I done that. I think like the last time I did it was like, I was walking through a parking garage in Times Square and I saw some of the cast of Downton Abbey. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that, that'd be jarring in Times Square anyway. Well, there was the, as John Lugos almost calls it, the ghetto side of Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. He's yeah. also fantastic on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he, um, yeah. So, and they were, they were super lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I may or may not have admitted that I watched it illegally online in the new season. They, well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I will plead the fifth on that too. About Downton Abbey? No, about illegal downloading because I'm like, I've, I've done it, but also. I'm sure yeah, everyone yeah. We also had a discussion about bootlegs on YouTube. Oh, right. I know. Yeah. So we're. Yeah. we're everyone's in good company. Yeah. Okay. So now that we're kind of like done with your dream roles because. You don't have anything like super specific. What are your like top going theater experiences? Oh, okay. This I have written down. Let me just mm-hmm. for the sake of okay, here we go. You ready? I am so ready. Cherry Jones in doubt. Mm-hmm. John Douglas Thompson in Satchmo with the Waldorf, which is a one-man show. He plays Louis Armstrong and two other parts, and he's incredible. And I also saw him in The Iceman Cometh at Bam that had mm-hmm. Nathan Lane and Brian Dennehy. And that was another one. I was like, I'll never forget this as long as that, Good for you for getting a ticket for that. Uh, we, my wife is friends with the stage manager and it was a, we got a last minute invite to the press night or something. She was Amazing. like, we have these two and I will never forget it. Um, I saw a production of Uncle Vanya at the Hunter Theater Project like two and a half, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And J.O. J. Saunders was the Uncle Vanya. And I've never seen anything like that in my life. And it was like right there. It was so cool. I got to see him. So I've had like nine lives, like I said. Mm-hmm. So I ushered at the Union Square Theater that doesn't exist anymore. And I got to see him. He's so, so good. Isn't he in Girl from the North Country? That I don't know. I think I, he I is. I wouldn't be surprised. But I, yeah, I think he's just so great. Yeah. Um. Tracy Letts, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shows that I keep going back to, like, because those are performances that really stuck out, but uh, Oslo, mm-hmm. Indecent, Giant at the Public, Off-Broadway, mm-hmm. Scottsboro Boys, The Ferryman. I saw a production of en- en- Enemy of the People at Manhattan Theater Club that had uh, Richard Thomas and my friend John Procaccino in it, and that was incredible. Uh, the ones we talked about, like Next Fall and things like that, of mm-hmm. course. Um, Red. I uh, didn't see it, but I will say when I was waiting to get rush tickets to view from the bridge, the mm-hmm. Lee of Schreiber, mm-hmm. I, the guy who was online with me worked on red and he oh. like came over from London to work on the show. So good. I think I'm still Facebook friends with him actually. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, that's maybe that's another two-hander that I just think is just so perfectly oh so both are very hard to do virtually, so it's not happening. Uh-huh. Right. Um, oh, that would be so difficult. Um, I did see I bought myself one ticket when I was here when I was in New York for showcase. I was like, I'm gonna see one show and I went and saw Patrick Stewart in the Scottish play. And he was absolutely incredible. Scottish player. Did you see player. Alan Cumming do it? I did not. The one man version. I mm-hmm. wished I did. That sounds so cool. I also saw it for free. Yep. Um, 
I really liked his interpretation of Lady Macbeth because mm-hmm. um, the way he played it, she used sex mm-hmm. to get what she wanted and you don't mm-hmm. really like see it that much. Mm-hmm. Interpreted that way. Yeah. I mean, it was a one man show, but they he did have like people. Sure. And the whole premise was it took place in an insane right. asylum. Oh. So he had to die. And there was one point where he literally like is in a bathtub and he like right. goes under the water for like God knows how long. And then he comes back up. So, so good. Yeah. yeah. And then at the end of it, like once the show starts, his he just starts over again. And that's the end of the show. So, oh like, my God. It's like, He's in this insane asylum with this like crazy guy who's doing the entirety of Macbeth and every character, yeah. and he just keeps. Re- it's Stuck. it's incredible. I did hear an interview. I think it was <laughs> Ian McKellen. Somebody said, and forgive me if I've attributed it to someone who didn't say it, but um, that that the Macbeths have the healthiest marriage in any Shakespeare play, which makes sense. I mean, it obviously yeah. unravels very quickly, but um, they're like super into each other, and they're like. I don't know. It's just really interesting their their relationship. So I think the yeah. production hinges on their chemistry and mm-hmm. Kate Fleetwood, I believe. With that also Stewart. just reminds me of when Family Guy did Inside the Actors Studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's her name? Who plays Lois? Alex. Oh, yeah. Uh, with the B. She's on Maisel, and I'm losing yeah. my. Alex. Oh God. Um, Something with the B. Hold on. Yep. I don't want to say Bronstein because that's not Alex. Burns. No. Bernstein Bears. Nope. Oh, I loved the Bernstein Bears growing I up. Too. I did too. Alex Borstein. Borstein. You were she, more right. Yeah. They were talking about like the relationship with Lois and Peter. She's like, she's this and she just loves having sex with her husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there are some episodes where I was watching one the other day where like Stewie and Brian just shrink themselves down and she's vacuuming. She's like, I hate my life. Nobody can hear me while I'm vacuuming. And like there was, I watched the episode on Sunday and it was just like, they had this singer whose name I don't know, but they played his song and I was like, this is fucking brilliant. And it was like, and it was right. That horse was not that nice. And really stuck with me and now your wives know who I am it just <laughs> the fucking funniest thing the jump the jump oh their yeah, cutaways so sometimes so are good. just so fucking brilliant so good anyway okay. any other things anything you want to ask me before we climb down I can't think of anything off the top of my head okay but I had fun thank you for this yeah we're not done yet oh because we had to do, we're going to do some inside the actor studio questions. Okay. Unless there's like another game you want to play. No, that's what you say that's earlier. What game we were going to do? Oh, I think it's fifth. Well, but we we settled yeah. on inside the actor studio. I think. Well, no, I told you that's what. We're oh, doing. that's what you do. Okay, got, yeah. Because I mean, <clears throat> certain people I had on, I was played like cast it or cast me, where I would like come up with something stupid or like, like here cast like you know, the musical version of like the Avengers right? or, you know, like <laughs> right. cast this person like Nathan Lane in a show, you know, stuff like that. So difficult. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's easy. My favorite was always Funny Girl because I know who I would cast in it. Yeah. Shoshana Bean. Yeah. Oh, so good. And Benjamin Walker. Oh, that's a great combination. Oh, that would be super interesting. Yeah, I know. That'd be super interesting. You have a you have an eye for it. I do. 
Okay. This is the famous thing from Bernard, whatever his name is. I don't remember. Anyway, what is your favorite word? Oh, man. That's oh, man. That's it. That's two words. No, the word I think of right away is love, but I feel like that's a little cliche, but. Uh, that's mine too. And I understand that it's cliche, but I, I usually stick with it. I also, I'm going to stand by it. Love. Okay. What is your least favorite word? Mm. Um, can't or don't can't so you really have that a strong feeling to that song everybody says don't <laughs> no 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 it just like I it just seems to me like when I'm I have a visceral reaction to being told I can't uh, professionally speaking, if that makes sense. That's mm -hmm. not really the answer I want to give you, but that's the gut instinct that I, because like, I haven't, it goes back to my issues. I feel like I'm going to get an email later and be like, so I was thinking about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> probably, probably. The word I came up with. Thanks. Can't. What turns you on? Uh, intelligence. Uh, joy. Love. Um, Kindness, intelligence, humor. Yeah. Great. Uh, what turns you off? I feel like I actually wrote these down once. Um, uh, mis the mistreatment of people, mm -hmm. the disregard for people, I should say humanity in general, the, the disregard for the lack of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the deliberate lack of humanity. I think most. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely talked about that a lot last week. Mm -hmm. Um, what is your favorite curse word? Probably fuck. Uh, but it's a common one. You can use it in so many. Yeah, you really ways. can use like the gerund form and like, yeah. also, I like, I like words that make me laugh. Like, Sometimes shit balls is funny. I don't know. Like sometimes these, I don't know. They're, they're funny words. Let's make no mistake about that. They are funny. I, I enjoy very funny words. Like the word, you know, it just reminds me of like a Will and Grace episode where he's like duty. I just, I uh, think that's yeah, hilarious. It's funny. it's funny. Yeah. Like poop duty. It's poop, hilarious. Duty. I also have like a very immature sense of humor. <laughs> um, I get it. I get it. I think, I think I'll stick with fuck though. Yeah. I, I say it multiple times a day. Okay. Um, what sound or noise do you love? Mm. Um, my wife's singing voice. Uh, and I think it's maybe because I was gone, you know, helping with my father and I came back and I heard her warming up. And I also know that for her singing right now is it's a challenge because she's in the middle of a pandemic and she's lost her mother who loved her singing. And there's a lot loaded with that. And so when I yeah. hear her sing, I think of it's beauty, but it's also bravery to me. And like it's something that she's also always apologizing. She's like, sorry, I got to warm up. And I'm like, no, but like as someone that knows what it's like to struggle with that and, and maybe not winning that fight, I'm glad that she's winning that fight. And it's really great. What sound or noise do you hate? Mm. 
Oh boy. I can't put a, a finger on it, but I keep, there's like sounds that I associate with sorrow, not just sadness, but sorrow. And uh, it's weird in any other context, some of them are good, but like, um, I have a very visceral reaction when I walk into like hospitals or places like that, which I know people are being taken care of, but sometimes it's mm -hmm. like airports, sometimes the same thing. I just, it's, it reminds me of saying goodbye. My body doesn't know the difference if I'm leaving for two days or for a week or for a year or whatever. So that's, I say that because my wife and I were long distance for a long time. I've been long distance with my family since I was 18 and, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Hospitals and airports are like super triggering for me. So any sounds from there triggers you? Kind of, kind of. Yeah, kind of. I know it sounds weird. But... So doing next fall where we had like the hospital sounds in between. Yeah. yeah. And I was also like, with that pinched nerve, I was just like. Again, we did that scene five times. I, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I'm like, it normally doesn't do that long. Right, right. As you saw, it's like a two or three top. Right, right. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. What profession other than yours would you like to attempt? Um, this is weird because I've been in situations where I think maybe I won't do this anymore. And I, it's hard for me to picture my life in general. Mm -hmm. And I also know that because of the arts, I am alive today. Mm -hmm. I am one of those kids that had opportunity in the arts and therefore I felt like I had a place or a tribe. And mm -hmm. maybe wouldn't be alive today if it weren't for that. So I don't know if there is an answer to that question, unless I specifically say writer, but I also feel like that's part of my profession, so. Songwriter. Maybe. Singer. I that's, don't also, that's also within the boundaries of the arts, so. I can tell you what it's not. It's not being a waiter. <laughs> Done that. <laughs> What profession? What prof oh my god! Um, what profession would you not like to do? Waiter. Oh, uh, you've done it. I mean, I've done it. It doesn't, and I, you know, you have to do what you have to do. But uh, I, I do know I could never be in the um, medical profession. Not because I don't want to be, but I just, I have so much empathy that I feel like I have these sympathy pains that like. Stop me. I'm in the medical profession and I don't deal with any of that stuff. Okay. That's fair. I, yeah. I guess I mean, like I could not be a surgeon. I know that. You're a doctor. Yeah. yeah. Like my younger sister is obsessed with Grey's Anatomy and she's yeah. like, I want to be a surgeon, but I also want a family. I think she should go into dermatology because she's, oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. But you know, who am I to say anything? There you go. Lastly. Okay. If heaven exists, mm -hmm. what would you like to hear when you... I'm going to say that again. See, can't read. Um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? This is, um, I don't want to say triggering for me, but only because my dad was super, is super religious. He is Alzheimer's. Or, I mean, if you don't believe in that. Well, no, know. I, here's the thing. I, I was raised that way and I mm. do. Faith is important to me, but I have a problem with religion. And so um, the more, I feel like I go through this life, the more I feel like I, I'm worried that there's nothing at the end of the tunnel, but I would like to believe that there is something. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess some acknowledgement of that. So my dad, my dad hinged always on this, um, 
it sounds so parochial to say out loud. Is that the word I want? Um, the phrase that he hinged on was well done, good and faithful servant. And sometimes I think of, I would like to hear what he's going to hear because I feel like he's like an idol of mine. And so, especially having seen him just recently, I feel like he's closer to that than I've ever seen him before. And so I want him to get what he wants out of that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like me hearing that too will be a confirmation that dad heard it as well. And that's like super tied together, those two things, I guess. Yeah. Boy, these, they, those questions open up so much, don't they? They really do. Yeah. Yeah. For some people. And sometimes they're just like, it's this. Yeah. It's this. You think it depends. Yeah. I mean, I've, I worked a lot of inside the actor's studios because mm -hmm. they filmed where I went to college and I've mm -hmm. seen a lot of them. And, you know, he often, if like he had an actor who wasn't religious, he would somehow shape the question differently. Yeah. I don't remember brilliant. how he did it. Yeah. He's so brilliant. Well, what's funny is I had somebody come on who I went to college with and she did Doxy's God with me, the mm -hmm. reading I directed last year. And I literally couldn't think of a game. And I was like, let's just do the inside the actor studio questions. And then like a day or two later, they announced that he passed away. Yeah. So I was like, that's so weird. So I've kind of been doing those questions kind of like, yeah, to carry keep on it going, keep Easy. on the tradition. So I'm just like, I remember when I was in high school and like, oh, there's a bug. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm like asking people that question in like a class. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we would just talk about what our answers are. Very revealing. It's so interesting. Yeah. But I feel like fuck is a common one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause like, you know, again, you can use it so many different ways. You can. Yeah. And it just gets it out. It's like, I like to say fuck a duck. Fuck a duck. It doesn't I mean like anything. That. I say fuck a duck sometimes. <laughs> fuck me or fuck this. Fuck that shit. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. So uh -huh. yeah, it's so good. And it's also so powerful if it's just yeah. in one, yeah. I don't think I've said like, fuck you to anybody though. Yeah, I don't think I have either. Yeah, you did, uh -huh. you did last week in a play. Well, but in, in, in doing that, yeah, I was like, yeah. wow, this is really something to say that to a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great play, great play, mm -hmm. great people. Let's do it again. I'd love to. Matinee tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow's Friday. Or tomorrow's Friday. Oh, Saturday. Am I working Saturday? Morning. Sometimes there are Thursday matinees yeah. and sometimes there are Saturday and Wednesday matinees. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sometimes there's. Yeah. Some. I'm brain fried. This is my short week. I hope it's enjoyable. It's, I'm, it's all good. I'm just trying. I have stuff on Sunday. David, I'm going to stop the recording, but you can still hang on okay. Zoom. Okay. Thank you for joining. Thank you. You know, I adore you as a human. I adore you too. <laughs> Um, yeah, long hair. My friend took a photo of me like that I posted on Instagram, which was literally a candid. And I was like, holy shit, my hair got so long. Pandemic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I like it long. And That's plus, like, I get really hot over the summer. So I figured it's just more manageable to like throw up my oh, hair. I see, not, I like, see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see exactly. Yeah. I mean, I could throw up from the heat. That's another story. Look, I even made myself notes to ask you those things. Like, and you did. Right? I did. Yeah, well, yeah. no, I wrote like top going theater experiences because I, I forget to ask people. I'm going to like throw it behind me and then <laughs> I hope I, I hope I gave you enough 
Yeah, we've been talking for quite some time. Yes, we have. I have to go make um, soup. Well, I've made the soup, but I have to go add the chicken to it, which I, mm -hmm. I usually throw in last when I when I cook it. It's like this whole thing I've done now, and I've perfected the recipe over the course of this pandemic. What type of and soup is that? It well, is I'm a, talking about this on a podcast. It is a David. It is a chicken vegetable soup with brown rice, but it's exquisite. So for our sex is imminent picnic, you'll bring the soup. I mean, if it's 95 degrees outside, I probably won't, but sure. it's really good soup. Right. And just bring me a container. I'll heat it up at home. I, you will love it. Are you allergic to anything? Oats. That's so specific, but <laughs> no oats. That's well, the only food I'm allergic to. Okay. And it's so funny. People are like, oh my God, how do you eat? I'm like, clearly very well. Like, yeah, there's, there's things that don't have don't oats. Have you oats. just can't have oatmeal, which is... Yeah. You know what kills me is I can't have Cheerios. Oh, that is shitty. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. But I've eaten stuff with oat fiber in it, and then, like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think what else? Well, I, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to end the podcast. Okay. Bye, podcast. just talking about oh. what foods I'm allergic to. Yeah. Are you allergic to food? Let's end with you, David. What are no, you allergic I, to? I, I, I believe that beer is disagreeing with me more in my 30s than it did in my 20s and I believe it's I just feel like that's alcohol in general well no, I think like I can whiskey's fine but I think my I physically swell like I think it inflames my body which is just alcohol in general but no I, I'm lucky that I'm not allergic to foods perfect well on that note David on thank you note. for coming on to my thank podcast. you <laughs> bye kids